Hey, listener, this is Heaving Bosoms, the podcast where two best friends recap romance novels while commenting, going on tangents, and being ridiculous. I'm excited to announce that we have a special episode for you. This week, we couldn't. I don't know if you're in a similar boat, but we just couldn't. So we reached out to our pals over at the Cigarette Burns podcast, and they graciously offered to let us air Erin's guest spot, where she and Cole recapped Notting Hill. Make sure to head over and listen to the Cigarette Burns and their recaps of blockbuster films. So today, you're still getting two best friends recapping a love story, except that this time it's a slightly different flavor with the combination of Aaron and Cole. And I'm just going to do our lady love up top this week. That is, reach out for help if life is a little too much and you need a break. Your friends will be there for you because they are amazing friends. So big thanks and huge amounts of love to Cole and Jed. And without further ado, here is Notting Hill with Aaron and Cole. Sorry, I fucked you up. I'm sorry. Uh, One. So there's a lot of... (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Just go. (laughs) So so there's a lot of familiar faces in this movie um, that came out, you know, 21 years ago. Mm -hmm. But one of them is 21 years ago. 21 years ago. That's a lot. Yeah. That's so many. Um, anyway. But one one of them uh, more striking and uglier than all the rest, <laughs> but but somehow made quite an impact, at least on movies that I was watching for like the 10 or 15 years after this, because he shows up as, basically he plays the same character in The Replacements. Oh, Obviously. God. Yes. Keanu Reeves classic. The Replacements, you know what? I'm going to write that down at the end of the episode. Watch for it. It's going to be a wreck. Replacements. <laughs> Um, if you say it's going to be a wreck, that means it's already a wreck. I yeah, I'm wreck. I'm head. wrecking it. Um, Cold God, open recommendation is yeah. such an underrated movie. It's you so good. This guy might play the same guy in a lot of things, but it's a good guy. Like I, guy I feel like it's a brilliant character. Yeah, he is. I mean, obviously, he was in. Uh, I think it was Deathly Hallows Part One. Because if you're oh, a yeah. actor, he's a uh, you... uh, the Daddy Lovegood. Nope, <laughs> <laughs> he's the dad. What's his name? Xenophilus. I, I don't know. Xenophilius, Z- Z- something yeah. or other. Lovegood. I don't know. <laughs> daddy Lovegood. But, but but the stupidest character I ever saw him play. Because God bless him, he's just physically not maybe an attractive person. <laughs> sure. Um, but in the five year engagement, somehow Emily Blunt breaks her engagement with Jason Siegel. Yes. For him. Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff I didn't buy about that movie, which mm-hmm. was a perfectly fine movie. It was yeah, I liked it. That was total nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. Jason Siegel's he's a hunk. More so than Spike. I mean Yeah, Spike's not a hunk. <laughs> but And he was anyway. in one of those Spider Men. He was in a Spider-Man. Was it was he a, was he was he Leo Spider-Man? Was that <laughs> No, he was he was like Mr. Lizard. <laughs> Mr. Lizard. Um, lizard Daddy the bad Lovegood. guy. He's I got swear the best. he was like I swear he was like a guy who turns into a lizard. 
I swear this is true. I know you can't Google it right now, but he was he was in a Spider-Man and he was a lizard. And I remember thinking, ah, oh, Spike. This might end up not being true. <laughs> on on my podcast a couple weeks ago, I said that Hillary Duff was Xenon Girl of the 21st century, and she married what? a professional hockey player. All of three <laughs> three things were not true. None of that is true. <laughs> oh, it's Gears and all. Storms, and neither of them are married to a hockey player. I don't know what I was thinking. Anyway, I'm pretty sure he played Mr. Lizard, though. As you guys have probably noticed, this is not Jed with me today. Nope. Uh, your favorite guest host, Aaron from Heating Bosoms, is here with us. I think I'm your only guest host ever. I ha- that's true. We have yeah. I've had interviews, mm-hmm. um, but you would you definitely the only one we trust to help steer the ship. Obviously, by Means that dynamite cold open. Um, <laughs> Here's but, the thing. Here's the thing. After yes. watching a Richard Curtis movie. Sometimes you feel like it's charming to be a bumbling fuck up idiot. <laughs> you know, he, he, he's only grossed about six billion dollars doing that. So yeah, I mean, it's worth so it. Like, if you watch one of these for the rest of the day, you're like, oh, no, I've, I've fumbled my thing. I've dropped my schmerzmer. Like, I, oh, oh, dear. You know, and you, you're like, I'm killing it. Like, I'm being charming right now. It's not true. I'm going to get the movie star with mm-hmm. this. This yeah. stick is going to work. Because none of us um, look like Hugh Grant, but you think it's going to work. That's true. Well, since you brought it up, let's just play him the trailer. All right. A very ordinary boy bumps into a girl oh and takes her home. The bathroom's on the top floor. It happens all the time. But she is no ordinary girl. She is Anna Scott, the most famous film star in the world. And when they get together, everyone has something to say. Anna Scott, Anna Scott, Anna Scott. Hello, Anna. Scott. Hi, guys. Oh, Jesus, fuck. They always do that when I leave a house. This is a peculiarly strange person to have um, got involved with. It's not Fergie, is it? You must be Spike. Thank you, God. I don't want to interfere on a thing, but she's in your house. Yes. Well, isn't this perhaps a nice opportunity to... Slip the one. Spike. But when two worlds collide... I live in Notting Hill, you live in Beverly Hills. Everyone in the world knows who you are. And the news is bad. Tomorrow, there'll be pictures of you in every newspaper in your goddamn underwear. And getting worse. I went out in my goddamn underwear too. Get out. How does an ordinary boy... Let's stay calm. No, you ain't stay calm. ...keep the most famous girl in the world? The fame thing isn't really real. I'm also just a girl. Standing in front of a boy. Asking him to love her. You daft prick. The creators of Four Weddings and a Funeral invite you to join Julia Roberts and Hugh Grant in a place called Notting Hill. Yep, I'm just in a good mood. I'm in a better mood now. I'm just psyched. by seeing that trailer. Can't I, wait to watch I, it. <laughs> so that that trailer, classic rom-com trailer, whatever, but it does what I think every rom-com needs to do, which is just put you in a happy mood understanding that you're going to get your happily ever after the stakes are never going to be that high but you're totally in and obviously guys uh we're talking about Notting Hill today the classic 99 rom-com starring Hugh Grant Julia Roberts 
a delightful Alec Baldwin, uh, <laughs> <laughs> written by Richard Curtis, uh, who brought you four weddings and a funeral. Love actually. This is Bridget Jones. I mean, this Bridget Jones, obviously. This is just one of my favorite all time rom coms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I hadn't seen it in a number of years, uh, strangely. I hadn't gone back and watched it. That, a long surpri- time. that surprises me. This is definitely a once a year. Like, Jess and I will hit this once a year. Easy. Yeah. In fact, um, I told some of my friends wanted to hang out last night. Uh, I have a lot of friends who want to hang yeah, out. You're very popular. I get no, that. Um, no, they're, they're my work friends who are my bubble, who are the only people who I can see, who, I, you know, I enjoy hanging out with them, but, you know, it's my bubble. And they were like, you know, we should hang out. And uh, I was like, ah, I have to watch Notting Hill. And two of them pieced out because they had just watched Notting Hill. They're like, <laughs> ah, I watched Notting Hill earlier this week. Like, it was a, a favorite pastime of theirs, which is strange. So I think a lot of people go back to this one. That's the wrong reaction for a couple of reasons. Like, yeah, I know. With them, like, just watching it. Yeah. But the concept so? that, you like, you got your fill of it <laughs> right. is... Total nonsense to mm-hmm. me. But before we start breaking down this classic, I do want to talk about, you know, who's responsible for it, what it did, all that stuff. So as we sure. mentioned, uh, written by Richard Curtis. Uh, Richard Curtis, obviously, I'm sure a lot of you know, classic, maybe maybe the most prolific comedic British writer of the last 25 years-ish or so. I mean, he he wrote on Black Adder. He wrote Four Weddings. He did Love Actually. You mentioned the Bridget Jones Diary. Yeah. I think he didn't do the third, though. I think he only did the first two. That tracks. Um, that makes sense. Uh, the third did lose did a, all of the charm. So, Well, Patrick Dempsey. What are you going <laughs> What are you going to do about that? He hasn't been good since... Um... God Made damn it. Made of honor. I agree. <laughs> no, I was going with the pandemic movie, but now I can't remember it. Oh, Outbreak. Excellent I was going to say Outbreak, but then I was like, no, it's not Outbreak. It's the other one. How could yeah. you forget Jimbo? Oh, Jimbo, my I man. didn't forget Jimbo. I forgot the name of the Jimbo was all I could remember. <laughs> that was the problem. And he wrote Pirate Radio, an underseen movie. It was a really good, solid film. It was great. Uh, did War did War Horse, which I liked. He did last year. I think it was last year, but time doesn't seem to matter anymore. So I'm, I'm struggling to remi- remember if it was 2018 or 2019. But yesterday, uh, the movie about the guy who uh, mm-hmm. like gets in a wreck or something and then Nobody knows who the Beatles are. Not a great film. Um, Didn't see it because you told me it wasn't a great film. So yeah, it's like yeah, the Beatles. The music's fine, but like it was whatever. And he's apparently working on a Little Mermaid adaptation, not the one for Disney. So I'm kind of curious to see how many Little Mermaid adaptations the world really needs. Yeah, uh, to see if that actually gets off the ground. But so he's kind of the brain trust behind it. Uh, he wanted Mike Newell to direct this. Uh, mm-hmm. Mike Newell. Turn that one down. He did. Uh, Mike Newell directed Four Weddings, um, and I think that Roger Michel did this one. I think I think it could have been a better movie had Mike Newell taken that job. I have a few direction problems with this movie. I'm very excited to hear that because for me, this is blanket director movie. There's nothing super special, with the exception of a couple of camera shots in the first dinner scene. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I feel like they just put the camera on pretty charismatic people and that was that. Yeah, I feel like that's true 98% of the time. And then the other 2% are like, why do they do that? That's a weird choice from like where they can. Like there's a drone shot for no reason during the, well, we'll get to it. But I had a, I had a couple just like, that's an odd Hey, choice. if you want to take Roger Michel to the woodshed right now, I say do it. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> So, um, Roger Michel directed it. Uh, he went, this is kind of his first big Hollywoody thing. 
Uh, he did Morning Glory, which is uh, I I thought it was terrible when I first saw it. It's the Rachel McAdams Harrison Ford comedy. She works at a oh, news station. Yeah, it's like yeah, I remember that. Did I, I revisited that? that a couple years oh. ago, and I liked it more when I first saw it. I thought it was really bad. When I rewatched it, I'm like, oh, that's totally fine. Like that's a that's a four and a half, five out of ten. I almost want to say that I saw that with you, and we both didn't like it. No, because I've only seen that in California. Hmm. I don't know then. But I've seen that yeah. and I didn't like it. Now I can't remember why I would have seen it if not with you. But somehow uh, I did. Maybe it was on a plane. Yeah, it's it's not <laughs> necessarily worth revisiting, but it's no. like whatever. Um, Hyde Bark on Hudson with Laura Linney and Bill Murray. And he also did My Cousin Rachel with Rachel Weisz. So he's done, you know, got a mm-hmm. little bit more into the dramatic. But I think it's an interesting point you bring up about Mike Newell, who did an incredible job with Four Weddings and a Funeral. Yeah. But I just want you to know that he turned this down. Because he was too busy working on the air traffic controller classic oh, pushing no. tin. Oh, no. <laughs> well, then, you know. So, so History righted itself with that decision then. Yeah, maybe maybe he wasn't in the right space to make Notting Hill better than Roger Michel did. So Yeah, fair enough. I do want to give props at this point when we're talking about sort of behind the camera. I mean, the music division, just great job, guys. The song choices in this movie, it is so 1999. It just Are puts you, you in a spot. It's so perfect. Being sarcastic right now, I can't. I'm tell. really, I'm really not. I get that what? 98 degrees is on the soundtrack. I understand that. I'm with you. You're it's blowing so my mind. <laughs> it's so, it's just, it's a nostalgia thing. Like if I had never seen the movie and I went to it right now as a 37 year old, and I had my eyes closed, I didn't see anything anybody was wearing, what the cars were. And I just heard the soundtrack. It'd be like 1999. Here's the thing. I want to make sure we're talking about the same thing here. The score is great. Fine. Good. Yeah, the score's great. Yeah. The song choices. Fantastic. I cannot believe you right now. (laughs) Because I feel like Notting Hill is is a great film. Save a few things. One thing is... The name Notting Hill. Terrible name for this movie. I don't understand oh. why it's called Notting Hill. Oh, what? I don't. Why? Because the whole movie takes place there, maybe? I don't know. But it has nothing to do with the place. Why did... And so, and then br- bringing me to number two, what a great segue, Aaron, is the <laughs> the credit sequence at the beginning where it's just like a montage of like her... And then him describing Notting Hill in great detail for no reason. I have a theory about that. Okay, great. Okay. And then the third thing is that 2% of weird directorial <laughs> okay, great. choices. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it, but go ahead. And then the fourth thing is they use two songs in this movie, total, period, mm-hmm. both of which are very strange choices, and one, and both of which are reused twice. Yeah, because they're awesome. You're ridiculous. You're a ridiculous this, man. The songs that were used in this movie are the musical version of Hugh Grant's hair. <laughs> I'll give you that. They're perfect for that singular moment. And then it's like, no, we're gonna we're gonna move away from this. Then um, if they're perfect for that singular moment, don't use them again. That's how I feel. Pick a new and different song for later in the film. Fair enough. But what you mentioned, I think it's really interesting about the intro to the movie. And I want to just get it out of the way now because I'm going to forget. I think 
coming off of four weddings and a funeral, this was Richard Curtis really trying to sell a movie to America. I and see. so I, with Julia Roberts being basically the only American in the movie, I mean, Alec Baldwin's in it for like a minute and a half, but mm-hmm. she's basically the only American in the movie. And it starts off by showing everybody, this movie is going to be about Julia Roberts, an American. And mm-hmm. we then go to Notting Hill, and I think he describes Notting Hill in incredible detail because Notting Hill does not mean anything to an American audience at all. You say Notting oh, Hill, okay? Yeah. Most of us have no clue what that is. Whereas if you if you come here and mm-hmm. you just see like a, a big thing in American films, whether it's teen movies or romantic comedies, is when you're like driving into the town, mm-hmm. it'll be like oh oh hi, okay, we know where that's at. Or sure, but I feel like then why okay we don't have a point of reference for Notting Hill got it why do we need one except that you've called your movie Notting Hill otherwise I don't need to know where in London this is I know where London is it's in there somewhere in the country I know about it Harry Potter lives there I don't need to know the neighborhood this movie has nothing to do with the neighborhood you know, like again, Harry Potter doesn't start out like, "Oh, Privet Drive, Surrey." Like, I, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care where you live. I, the neighborhood well, doesn't make sense. What would your alternative title be then? Um, you know, I don't know. I don't have. I'm not a writer. <laughs> I'm not Richard Curtis. We'll just call it Helix. That seemed to be a nice. <laughs> that press seemed junket. to be a great movie. Just <laughs> rolling around in a spaceship. Or what was it? Gramercy Park was the one with her and Modine. Mm-hmm. We're looking all <laughs> pedophiliac in his bucket hat and weird mustache in the art museum. No one looked good there. Why was it in black and white? Rough, rough move, Modine. <laughs> um, regardless of title issues yeah. and directorial issues and music issues... This movie on a $42 million budget went for 116 in the US and 364 worldwide, which is just an enormous haul for yeah. a romantic comedy. It I did mean, well, yeah. And as you guys, I'm sure, can hear, Bogart totally agrees with me. He's <laughs> into this episode. Um, so the cast obviously, we have Julia Roberts and Hugh Grant, but there's also a bunch of like standard stage and screen you've seen them in a million things if you watch anything on the bbc actors yes um reese evans who plays spike is kind of the i mean he's the jack black part i guess Mm -hmm. where you you sort of don't need him in the movie at all well i feel like in any richard curtis movie you're gonna get a band of like lovable misfit fuck-ups with weird faces that's what you're. Yes. Gonna, that's what's gonna like. There's gonna be your two movie stars, and then in the background, just like total, like you cannot believe they fucked up this bad. Weird looking losers. Uh, yes, always in the background. Well, and I think in that you always. I think that way he gets to maybe pass the ball around a little bit, so it's not the one person continually doing the thing to get the exposition across. Right. Because you have a lot of people who are in in this movie. And, you know, I've watched this movie 50, 60 times, but when you're watching it to prepare for, you know, an episode, I'm I'm watching it a little more critically and I'm like, okay, if we're going to have Spike, why do we need Martin? Mm -hmm. Like, why does Spike not work at the bookstore? I love them all, though. You know, like, I feel like in an American romantic comedy, you usually get the one best friend. 
You've yep. got you've got your Matthew McConaughey and then you've got your Bradley Cooper. You know, like you, you've sure, got sure. the the guy next to the guy being like Are you forgetting Justin Bartha in that movie? <laughs> oh, yes, I am. I am. Why why I mean Oh my god. Respect. Oh my god, Zoe Dashanel and Justin Bartha killed a mockingbird in that movie. God, yeah, what a terrible yeah, yeah. fucking movie that is. Very bad. Anyway, very, very bad. In an, an American, this is going to be a four-hour podcast. In American <laughs> romantic comedy, you have like the one friend. You have, um, what's her name? You used to say I looked like her. The frizzy hair from the wedding oh, planner. Judy Greer. Yes, you have Judy, Judy Greer, Greer, who's like, hey, listen, um, he loves you. Go get him. You know, like that, yeah. that person. In in these British ones, you have a pack of people always, and I think I like yes. that better. I think I like the pack of people. Well, and that's exactly what I was getting ready to say. Was like, I think in American cinema, we're taught that it needs to be super efficient and economical mm-hmm. as to how many people you have in it. Whereas this, you have Martin working at the bookstore, really has nothing to do except a little bit of comic relief and the concept that, like, yeah, he would talk to this guy Martin at the bookstore. Like right. that's what he's there for mm-hmm. and you have his whole group of friends where we see bernie a little bit we see honey his sister a little bit we see bella a little bit mm-hmm. and i think if you're looking at it through a strictly american film lens you're going all four of those people can be one person yeah but it shows uh, me one reason i like the group is that it shows me he's beloved like he yes everyone loves this guy and like a bunch of different people and different kind of pe- kinds of people all agree this guy deserves to have like my friendship and love. And I think yeah. that that goes a long way just by seeing that group and how well he fits into it. Yeah, I know. I think that's a great point. And it's going to lead into a little game we're going to play later that I came up with called Who Do You Hate the Most in This Movie? Um, <laughs> Julia so. Roberts. Anna Scott is my answer to that a- question. Anna every Scott time. is not a... Anna Scott's not on the list. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, she's the worst person in this movie. <laughs> oh, man. Are you... Si- are you... You fucking with me? <laughs> no. Are we going to get down on this? No. If I if I had been at the restaurant that day, I think I would have been the only friend that was like, fuck her, man. She treats you like <laughs> trash. She's going to dump you again. I mean... <laughs> so, okay. We're just going to... Now that you said that, we just have to All play right. who do you hate. Who do you hate more now? So... Here's here's what I'm thinking when I'm seeing this movie. I had put down three names. I think these are the only three choices. Apparently, I was wrong because Anna Scott did not make this list. She's such a bitch to him. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're, I have a feeling we're going to break that way down. So let's yeah. take Anna. Okay. Let's take Anna out of this okay. game because mm-hmm. she's too big. Who do you hate the most? Bernie, Bella, or Max? Oh, they get to be together. They're together. They're they're a unit. Mm. Or Spike. Oh, I think I honestly Spike's a great friend. I have no problems with Spike. I, I like hashtag justice for Spike. Like I get that he told some people at the pub. But besides that, he wrongs he wrongs our main characters in no way whatsoever. Like he's portrayed as this guy is a terrible roommate, terrible friend, terrible everything. But besides like forgetting her name or forgetting that message, I've got no beef with Spike. He literally at the end runs into traffic. Yes. To get this well, guy it, to the press conference. I love Spike. I, I think it was super smart that they wrote in there that he didn't actually sell the information. Oh, yeah. I mean. I think that was super important because I remember the first time I saw it, I'm like, that motherfucker did sell the information. Mm-hmm. Like, because he he kind of is set up. 
um, as being that kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it turns out he didn't. And I'm like, yeah. okay, cool. But I mean, they you. set him up as a creep, but he doesn't actually behave like a creep. Like he talks a big game, but he doesn't yes. go into a room that night. He doesn't like do anything creepy when she's in the bathtub. He's not actually that guy. He just seems like that guy. Yeah, he's just gross. Yeah. Which uh, apparently Reese Evans did live on a campsite. Yeah, for that this tracks. Movie. That does track. Yeah. Yeah. And um, while I appreciate actors doing a job that I don't know how to do and getting into whatever mindset you need to get into to accomplish a role, it feels unnecessary to like not shower for weeks on end to have played this role. Yeah, but it worked. It did work. He no, did it's, it's a, look stinky to me. So. Yeah, it did. <laughs> I feel like when I'm sitting in a room watching the movie, the room starts to smell worse when he's on the screen. Oh, whenever I'm, whenever we're at Will's flat, the room smells worse. <laughs> so, um, okay, so you're okay. taking Spike off the Spikes list. Spike's off you're, the you're table. Sp- okay, so let's talk Bella Max. <sighs> you know, oof. I don't know. I think, I, I, oh. I like, it's a tough question. Yeah, I like Bella and Max. I I think it's I think I think her relationship with Will's a little rough. Um it's it feels to me, and I tend to lean this way, but I haven't made my decision yet, because I wanted this to be a discussion. It's it's all well and good. She seems very nice, accomplished, brilliant, loves her husband. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. when they set him up. With all of these maniac train wrecks. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, you people suck. Like, mm-hmm. what the fuck are you talking about? I think that's what her, though. T- I think it's her. And that's why I'm saying, I. Th- but but I think Max, though, I mean, uh, yeah, I think Max, one of the uh, people, I think the first date, mm-hmm. the one that, like, walks in is like, let's just get fucked up and go to town. Yeah, frizzy hair. Um, she is from Max. I think Max set her. Yeah. That's true. But and I'm I, like, what uh, are you guys doing? Yeah. That's crazy. I don't know. Not great. I, I think she's still in love with Will. I think I think there's there's some problems there in that friendship. I think yeah, maybe they it, need a little distance. I think and I, I don't know. As much as I like, you know, the Tim McInerney who plays Max, visually it's a step down for her. Yeah. Visually you have to wonder what Will fucked up. Like, like well, it's it's like is the wife that left him like Bella's best friend from college or something mm. like there had to be some sort of a betrayal there because I don't think the you were always kissing my neck was really the problem. <laughs> right. Yeah. You were paying Hugh Grant in the 90s was paying too much physical attention to me so I couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> I don't think that was the issue. No. Yeah, I don't know. Bella and Max I I would rank below Spike. Yeah, okay. I'm and you. I mean, Bernie's and, just pitiful. I don't know. So he, here's the reason that I really, really dislike Bernie. And the funny thing is, is he actually ends up having like what I think is one of the saddest, most pitiful, that's a perfect word for it, lines in the movie. But how much of a prick do you have to be to meet somebody and, and talk say about like, oh, how little they oh, make? Not not just that, but like, oh, your profession is dog shit. And uh, by the way, I, I'm going to need a salary check on you. Like, <laughs> yeah. I just, just let me know. Like, spectacular asshole. Yeah. Now, let's just let's just understand as human beings that those questions are 
terrible and should never be asked. Right, yeah. But then if I'm showing up to a party with my friends with this woman, it doesn't matter that you don't recognize that she's a super famous person. Mm -hmm. Don't ask my date that. <laughs> Let's not do that. Burn. <laughs> you know, I think he's coming from a place where he hates his job and makes very little money. And he was trying to commiserate would be like, oh, you have a shitty job, too. It's really hard to be an actor. I'm a, what is he, bad stockbroker? Like, I think that's where he was, yeah, but, what he was trying to do, but it was bad. But he doesn't make little money. He makes a lot of money. I thought he was, I thought, uh, does he make a lot of money? No, Max at the table says, whereas you are very bad at your job, but at least, or hate your job, but you make oh, a, a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. So he's just, he's just financially like, I Yeah, know. never mind. He's just a straight prick. Bernie's the worst one. Yeah. yeah. That's who I hate the most. He's worse than Anna Scott. I know that. Um, no. Mm. No, we'll get there. Anyway, anyway, that's been our first edition of Who Do You Hate the Most in this movie. <laughs> Is uh, that one of the questions we got? Uh, no, that's just a little game I came up with. Oh, cool. As I was watching it, I'm like, because let's, let's not kid ourselves. All of our friends are, you know, are wonderful people. We want them in our lives. They're the family we choose. But nobody is 100% pure. And as I'm no. watching this, I'm like, I'm like, they're trying to help him. Mm -hmm. But man, are they doing some shit that I'm like, do you actually like this person? Everyone like, has friends that are assholes. And <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, okay, you set him up with Emily Mortimer. Cool. Mm -hmm. uh, she was normal and cute. And although, do you know the story about her like awkwardness on the set and everything? No. So she apparently obviously did the audition, got the part, whatever. And then there was something, I think in wardrobe, that she was allergic to and her whole body broke out in hives <gasps> before really? they were filming. So they like pumped her full of steroids, which oh. makes you jittery as hell, mm -hmm. and to try and calm down the hives. But every time she sort of got nervous, which in her words, she's like, when you're doing a movie, you get nervous. Yeah. She would break out. Oh, no. Into massive hives. So like that whole scene, she's like, they're trying to like cheat her face certain ways to hide the hives and mm -hmm. do all of that. So oh, and she's got that short hair, too. That must have been rough. Yeah, so her, her experience was not great. But, like, besides her, I, I started thinking, I'm like, if my friends started setting me up with these train wrecks, I would be like, I don't think you guys actually like me. This <laughs> is, you, you, you're not doing friend right. But um, ever, all the friends are train wrecks. They only know other train wrecks. Like, Yeah, I, I guess that's true. I mean, I, and I do like that it's a hodgepodge of mm -hmm. friends. You know, having Honey in the bunch, obviously she's family, but, like, total oddball. Tony, I, I would like to spend more time with Tony the chef. Chucks it all in from an engineering firm and to yeah, start his restaurant. It's, he seems it's fine. But rewinding all the way back to the beginning of the movie yeah. where he's setting up sort of his community uh -huh. um, in this perfectly titled film, Notting Hill, mm -hmm. and giving you the boundaries of what they're going to do. I just think it's so interesting that he works at a travel bookshop <laughs> and they just... It's just it's just on its face hilarious because everything that happens in every scene that's in that bookshop is a great joke mm -hmm. like like having the pickpocket mm -hmm. try to steal from a travel bookshop <laughs> it's so funny it's just hilarious yeah and having the guy come into a travel bookshop mm -hmm. the title of which is not like books it's the travel book company yeah, or whatever travel books to say you got the new grisham yeah <laughs> no you have any dickens well that would be a novel too any poe yeah much like, and I wonder... Martin, Martin your customer. Listen, guys. <laughs> it's fantastic. 
Are any of you British? I listen in Killing Me Softly. Great movie. Uh, one of my favorite films. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to write that down as a wreck. Killing oh, me off of classic British romance. Uh-huh. Listen, Killing Me Softly is one of the worst movies ever made. It's one of my favorites. Um, but Heather Graham, a, Joseph Fine's sexual thriller, fellas. It's it's a it's an erotic thriller about it's a, fantastic, a it's celebrity mountaineer and um, the dumbest woman to have ever lived. <laughs> Uh, but in that movie, there is a bookshop that looks like it's a like it's also in London called Summit Books. That is a bookshop just about mountaineering. Mm, I think I know where your question's going, and is I have the same an question. English thing to just have a bookstore that's just one thing. Hyper specific bookstores. <laughs> yeah. Like she goes into that bookstore and she's looking at a book about the the hero in that that film, and it's like mountains and then behind her are all books about mountains and climbing it's very strange see i feel like if i were walking through notting hill or some other place in london where they had these specific bookstores Mm -hmm. the first one i'd be like okay travel books okay that's fine (laughs) and then you know sports books okay whatever that's fine sports books but but then you get to like summit and they're like we just do mountains i would have to go (laughs) in and be like but do you have this one they'd be like no that's about a hike (laughs) it's different that's um, no, that would be rafting. That's about a flat, a flat hike. Yeah, yes. we can't do that's that. A, that's that's a mesa. <laughs> we are talking about peaks here. That's a very, very good question. Yes, any of you out there um, in Britain or have been there, please let us know because yeah. now I'm very intrigued. Um, but no, I like how he sets up sort of the parameters that the movie's going to exist in. We did get a lot of questions about the blue door. Really? Uh, the Blue Door has quite a bit of history. Apparently, it's a very popular site to visit because the Blue Door exists. Oh. And the Blue Door was actually the home of Richard Curtis. Oh, really? In Notting Hill. That's yes. cool. So they could not use the interior because as opposed to getting into a rather tiny flat, mm-hmm. it is an enormously yeah, ornate, gigantic, beautiful um, place. Yeah, like, sure. when When you open the door, it goes into a courtyard, yeah, I'm apparently. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So... They did use the door, and then it is sold. Richard Curtis doesn't own it anymore, but it sold. The people painted the door a different color because they wanted <gasps> people to stop coming. And then the next people who bought it restored the blue door Good. to its blueness. What, a, what yeah. a bunch of fucking assholes. Which you know that they bought the house because it was yeah, in Naughty. Or partly. It. Yeah. That's stupid. Horseshit. That's like Horseshit. buying the Amityville Horror House and like getting rid of the ghosts. It's stupid. Yeah, right? Yeah, getting Get rid- out of here, flies. I, we, we don't want you here. We, people will come in, see we, you. Stupid. We ghost busted. Sorry. <laughs> ghost busted. There's, Got there's in no a reason to come here again. Trap. So, okay. So I think one of the most important parts of the movie is their first introduction. I like that there was just no setup mm-hmm. to a reason that they would connect. Mm-hmm. And I guess maybe we can have the Anna Scott question now, but I want to have the Julia Roberts question now, or conversation. Sure. Where is she on your like Mount Rushmore of either romantic leads or movie stars in your lifetime or whatever. Like, where do you rate Julia Roberts? I love Julia Roberts. I I think she is one of the quintessential romantic heroines. I can say that as far as romance movies go, I prefer her as an actress, not necessarily movies, but I prefer her to Meg Ryan. I'll say that. I'll give you that. Um, And that's a hard, that's splitting hairs for me, but I'll give you that. That's high on the list. I mean, yeah. I would I would say if I'm ranking like quintessential romantic comedy actresses, I think yeah, let's let's Mount Rushmore this. I'll give you yeah, four. 
I think I would say Sandra Bullock is my top, and then Julia Roberts, and then Meg Ryan, and then, I don't know, the rest, your Jennifer Garners. Those are my Your various three. Garners. <laughs> Those are my exact three, and my fourth would be, like, Emma Stone. Sure. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned Sandra Bullock, because she, I think, is... She gets this genre, I think, better than anybody in the last 25 years, mm-hmm. and knows how to use her charisma, and knows how to be funny, and sexy and dramatic and all those things. And Hugh Grant agrees with you because he got asked who his favorite romantic comedy partner was. And he said, Sandy Bullock. So you and Hugh that much closer. Yeah. We're getting there. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like this part in, in her career, I think is really interesting. And I'm with you. Like she's spectacular. Like I, I'm a big Julia Roberts fan along with many of my favorite actors and actresses. They're, Oscars came for performances that I think are like whatever. Like Aaron Brockovich is a perfectly fine movie. Like whatever. Fine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a six for me. I'm not mm-hmm. that blown away by her performance. I'm not that blown away by the movie making. Yeah. But it, it's whatever. I think she's incredible in this. I think she's incredible in a lot of the things she was in. But this is really when I think about it. I think because you know we're in the same generation. We cleared that up earlier. Um, <laughs> off. Off microphone. So in our generation, <laughs> I feel like I just every... want to say I said something about Gen Z, and you said, "Aren't you in Gen Z?" And I had to say, "Cole, we went to high school together. I'm not That's in a younger generation than you." Anyway, all right. So, so anyway, I feel like as far as my memory is concerned, Julia Roberts was always like this enormous, enormous star, mm-hmm. just huge. Mm-hmm. I went back to look at the filmography because that's just kind of where she is in my head. This, I think, was such a perfect timing for her in 99 that it's, she obviously came out in like 90 with Pretty Woman. Like that was the introduction. You know, she Mm -hmm. had Mystic Pizza before that, then Pretty Woman, and then she's super, super popular. Mystic Pizza, breakout role for a lot of actors and actresses. Mostly Matt Damon. Mostly Matt Damon, obviously. (laughs) All right, sorry. I'm with you on that. I'm looking at it and you realize like after Pretty Woman... She kind of didn't have a gigantic movie. You know, there were some dramas really? in there. She okay. had flat, Flatliners, which is, you know, yeah. kind of a cult classic. Yeah. It's not, you know, like a great movie. But you look at it now, it's kind of fun. This was the start of her being like, oh, Leading my God, lady. that's the biggest yeah. star in the world. Hmm. Because she went, 97 was my best friend's wedding. And then she runs Ooh. off. Mm-hmm. Then she runs off My Best Friend's Wedding in 97, Conspiracy Theory, Stepmom, The Notting Hill. Then after Notting Hill is The Runaway Bride, Aaron Brockovich, Mexican America, Sweethearts, Ocean's Eleven, Mona Lisa Smiles, yeah, Mary yeah, Crowns, yeah. where, where, like, I'm not saying she wasn't an A-lister before Notting Hill. She absolutely was an A-lister. But this was, I think, so unique in that she's playing the biggest star in the world at the time that she was actually the biggest star in the world. Mm-hmm. And it was sort of at the beginning of that. I don't think it was like a retrospective, like, oh, I used to be. Like, if you had Meryl Streep play this part in 1992, it would have been like, yeah, she's been the biggest actress in the world for 20 years. Right. Um, so I think it hit her at a really cool part. And every time I see her come into a romantic comedy, especially, not just regular, you know, like a, a dramatic role or whatever, she is so magnetic. Like, it's crazy. And it's not just looks. She just gets being on a movie set. She gets how to stand, how to enter a door. And I mean, as far as I'm concerned from an acting standpoint, she is so head and shoulders above everybody else in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like she just is dominating every single scene. 
which I think is a really interesting. But she um, should. I, you know, that's a she should because absolutely she's this movie star that everybody is so starstruck by. Then that's great casting because like the, the yeah. fact that she is where your eyes go to in every scene, you know, good yeah. job. And it's better, and I think that that's, like you said, perfect casting because instead of bringing in somebody who's like popular at the time mm-hmm. to play quote the biggest star in the world, right. you're like, uh, okay, like you brought in somebody pretty or something, you know? It, this is this is when they tried to remake La Dolce Vita with How to Lose Friends and Alienate People. They brought in Megan Fox as like the the new ingenue, which is is different. <laughs> being the new ingenue and being the biggest star in the world are totally different, yeah. but it's still sort of like we are sort of make forcing you to believe this. We can all agree, though, that um, my best friend's wedding is the worst romantic comedy ever made. We cannot. Oh, really? We cannot. And I'm going to put it this way, because, I mean, you're when you talk about a genre like this, and I would think, you know, you shouldn't speak for an entire genre. Sure. um, Because we have failure to launch. We have ghosts of girlfriends past almost every Matthew. The worst. Okay, is it the worst or is it the worst heroine in the history of romantic comedies? Because yeah, she's the worst. Yeah, I don't. She's the worst. You're right. Failure to launch is really bad. I don't know. I it's pretty bad though. But if if my best friend's wedding is on TBS, I will not watch it. If failure to launch is on TBS, I'll sit there. <laughs> well, failure to launch is on Netflix right now because. Netflix has been continuously trying to get me to watch Failure to Launch. No, it's well, I, won't, like, I won't choose it on Netflix. Fuck that. <laughs> I won't either. It, it keeps being on like popular on Netflix. I'm like, can't nope. be, that can't be true. No, it's not. Uh-huh. It's not. You're lying to me, Netflix. Um, <laughs> Ghost and Ghosts of Girlfriends Past. Past. Also, uh, I still haven't don't, seen. Don't you say it. Oh, okay, no, please watch it. It's on Netflix too, I think. How dare I'm you? How you. dare you? Because when you originally saw Ghosts of Girlfriends Past, you were so pissed off. You called me yeah, immediately. You were like, Fuck this movie. I fucking oh, because I paid, never see this I paid, movie. I paid real money for it. I paid actual money. You're already paying your Netflix subscription. It's just sitting there. You're the reason I've never seen this movie because you explicitly well, told me not to. And now you're now sitting here the reason that 20 you years later. <laughs> well, give it a give it a watch. Fuck off. I'm I, I'm wiser now. I'm oh, really? Yeah, it's still it's still the worst movie you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. But um, pay particular attention to the scene where he walks in basically the whole intro and just fires an arrow at somebody in order to take their picture. An actual arrow. See, that really sounds like it's from Failure to Launch, but I'll, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Like, no, there were fired no, arrows he, in that film as well. Yeah, no, he has a job in this one. He's a photographer. Oh, it's uh, of course he is. Real, real just awful stuff. Emma Stone, though, great. She's in it? She plays one of the ghosts of <laughs> Girlfriend's Past. Jesus. All right, just let's move. Let's move. Let's so, move. A- anyway, anyway, um but I think this is also interesting when I think about romantic comedies with Julia Roberts, I kind of in my head think, oh, she made a ton of them before Notting Hill and this was her sort of like Yeah, I thought so back too. to it. Mm-hmm. And she really had just the one. Like that really Yeah, just the one. I mean, I guess you can consider Pretty Woman a romantic comedy. Oh, um, yeah, 100% Pretty Woman's which, romantic comedy. Sorry, yeah. You know, since they went with the more one so, that they made actually. as opposed to the one that was written. Yeah, um, I mean, more so than My Best Friend's Wedding because that's not exactly right. a good ending there. No, it's not a good ending. And it's, but it is the only ending because she's terrible. Yeah, she's awful. Like, she's 
her performance is great, but the character is just terrible. Um, so I was like, oh, this is kind of her run up to like the middle of, of those, you know, like she's in her comfort zone with this movie. And I think it's a tall task to say you're the biggest star in the world. Basically play yourself, which the creators have said this was Anna Scott was an amalgamation of Grace Kelly and Audrey Hepburn. They said this oh. wasn't Julia Roberts. I'm calling bullshit on that. Yeah. But. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I can't wait I, to see those nudes. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. Like, just nonsense. But I their, their connection to sort of, you know, short story long, which is basically our brand when we're doing episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, that first interaction is surprisingly cool from Hugh Grant, in my opinion. The first one. The first one. The very first In the one. bookstore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. He plays it pretty good. Gets rid yeah, of the thief like, in a in, in a, a efficient and charming way. I'm sorry. Can you just give me a second? Excuse me. Yes. Bad news. What? Uh, we've got a security camera in this bit of the shop. So, so I saw you put that book down your trousers. What book? The one down your trousers. No, I don't have a book down my trousers. Right. I tell you what, um, I'll call the police and um, what can I say if I'm wrong about the whole book down the trousers scenario? I, I really apologize. Okay. What if I did have a book down my trousers? Well, uh, ideally, when I went back to the desk, you'd remove the Duggan Guide to Party from your trousers and uh, either wipe it and put it back or, or buy it. I'll see you in a sec. The wipe it and put it back gets me every time. <laughs> you know, a so, guy... Like, that's a very cool thing. A guy tried to steal a DVD from me by putting it down his pants at my house one time and walking out. It was The Breakfast Club. His name was Mario Newsom, and he put my <laughs> DVD of The Breakfast Club down the front of his pants, and he tried to walk out. That's that all. Is, that's the whole story. Did you, did you let him keep it? No. Of course not. It was my DVD of The Breakfast Club. I was 15. Are you kidding me? Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Fair, fair. I just, by the way, I'm glad you named somebody because I feel like half the audience would have been like, did Cole do that? I did not no. steal a DVD. No. This was this was a, a common thief who lived next door to me <laughs> named Mario Newsom. <laughs> but yeah, he plays it incredibly cool. Really cool with her. The whole thing about, let me throw this in. It's signed by the author. If you can find one. <laughs> Like, what a great line. If you can find one that's not signed, it's worth an absolute fortune. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love it. Like, super charming. It's my contention that that interaction is why she's like, this guy just spilled shit on my shirt, but I'll go back to his house. Yeah, because I think there's I think there's something to the idea that he did that on purpose and is now inviting me back to his house. Like, I, I think it probably went yeah. through her head. Did okay, this guy, I, I thought you meant was the movie trying to show No, no, but if I'm okay. her, if I'm Anna Scott, I just saw this guy at a, at a bookstore and then I went around the corner and he spilled orange juice on me and said, come to my house. It would cross my mind, was this on purpose and is he trying to get me into his house and, you know, all that. But I think she felt enough genuine energy in that first interaction to get her into the flat after the orange juice. I have a question, though, about the scene right before the orange juice. Love it. Okay. So, the, the, who's the, who's the guy that works at the bookstore? I can't remember his name now. Martin with the Martin. sexy Cardies. Sorry. Sexy, yeah, sexy Cardi. 
Um, oh, I love her. R.I.P. Emma Chambers, by the way. Very oh. sad. She passed away. She's Heart great. Attack. She's yeah. outstanding. Very, very good. Um, he walks, he says, do you want a cappuccino? They joke that they should make it a half because of how poor they are. He leaves. When he comes back, then Hugh Grant's like, do you fancy another one? I'm going to now leave the shop and get another cappuccino. And then the guy says he wants an orange juice. Then when he goes to the, he comes out of the coffee shop, he has the orange juice, which is in a coffee cup, which I feel like you wouldn't put it in a a hot, a hot cup, a hot mug cup. British listeners, please check us on that. Yeah. And then a pastry and no cappuccino for himself. What is going on there? Like, would you ever leave, get a coffee, and then come back and then drink the coffee and have the other friend then leave and get a second coffee immediately? It's crazy to me. Here's what I'm thinking. Portobello Road, bunch of those markets. Maybe he got his coffee, got the orange juice, and then was walking down, sipping his coffee, and then decided to grab a pastry somewhere else. Maybe they didn't come from the same place. Oh, no, that's crazy. That's crazier than what I said. That's that's Uh, nuts. I think you... I think you're right. The only thing I can think is that he was just so befuddled by his like interaction with her. And he was like, I need to go get a second coffee. I will. And then he <laughs> forgot about that and then got a pastry instead. I don't know. It's so weird to me. Anyway. More caffeine will fix this. Exactly. Um, yeah. But then she goes into his flat with the blue yes, door. And, and this is like classic Hugh Grant. And I think this leads into... I want to ask this question we got from a listener okay. before we listen to this passage, because I think it absolutely plays into what the question was, which was, how long would this movie actually be if Hugh Grant could get a sentence out? How long would what? Oh, the movie? <laughs> yeah, how long would the oh. mo- Basically, how much shorter would the movie be if Hugh Grant could just spit out his sentence? The movie would be probably, I think, 10 to 20 minutes shorter. However, however, no one would have seen it. because. And I'm sorry. This was at HEA Apologist asked this question. Oh, hey, girl. What's up? I know you. (laughs) I was like, I I figure you all know each other. Um, Uh, Yeah. So I think think you're right. I think this is his charm. Yeah. Uh, But it's like 22 minutes shorter. Yeah. I would would hate it, though. I would hate that movie. If he could just like look at her eyes and say (laughs) stuff. Ugh. Gross. Yeah. If it was was Clooney, you'd be like, get out of here with this. No, I wouldn't. No. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but if it were, here's the thing, if it were Clooney and he looks in my eyes and he says sentences, I'm here for it. If Hugh Grant looks in my eyes and says sentences, I'm like, ew, like you're not even that pretty in the face. Like, get, get out of here. That's you the need whole something thing. else. Yeah, you need some, something else. <laughs> you need some kind of tick. I don't know what it is, but. So, so I think this scene perfectly encapsulates that entire theme. Mm-hmm. Would you like a cup of tea before you go? No. Coffee? No. Orange juice? Probably not. Um, something else cold? Coke? Water? Some disgusting sugary drink pretending to have something to do with fruits of the forest? Yeah. Would you like something to eat? Uh, something to nibble? Um, apricots soaked in honey? quite why no one knows because it stops them tasting of apricots and makes them taste like honey and if you wanted honey you just buy honey instead of apricots but nevertheless there we go there they're yours if you want them 
Do you always say no to everything? No. I'd better be going. Thanks for your, uh, help. You're welcome. And, uh, may I also say, um, heavenly. Just take my one chance to say it. After you've read that terrible book, you're certainly not going to be coming back to the shop. Thank you. Yeah, well, my pleasure. So, it was nice to meet you. Surreal, but, um, but nice. Sorry. Surreal, but nice. Hi. What? I forgot my other bag. All right. I'm very sorry about the surreal but nice comment. Disaster. That's okay. I thought the apricot and honey thing was the real low point. Okay, question is, you, you gonna go back and kiss him? No. Mm -mm. But here's the thing. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry. <laughs> Not You got real serious. I wish you guys could see the video feed. Like she just like leaned in, like, I'm gonna break this down for you. No, like I think I I felt so I felt so much like he was trying to do anything to keep her in the flat that I think that I would not have immediately gone back and kissed him. I think I would have thought about it and then maybe tracked him down later, like later that day or on a different day. Because in that in that moment, it seemed like he was so desperate to keep her there that if I were Anna Scott, I would be like, nah, something weird with this guy. I don't know. I'm glad she did. Do you not buy into the idea that she left the bag on purpose? Oh, no, she didn't leave the bag on purpose. No, okay. she didn't decide that she wanted to kiss him until she got outside that door. That's the thing. You need to remove yourself from the situation and be like, no, he was charming and cute and genuine. He wasn't just desperately trying to keep me there because I'm a big famous actress. You need a little bit of distance. Then you can But I, I would have needed like a couple hours probably. Okay, because I got we, there were a couple of people that ended up asking this question, which was like, why did she actually change her shirt and put on the crop top? Why did she, why, my question is, why did she have the crop top in her bag? Well, she was probably, she was probably shopping, right? She had bags. Oh, that makes sense. It's in a shopping bag. Oh, God. Because I'm like, why, yeah. why, why would you just have a crop top? But like, she had a jacket. Mm -hmm. So it was like, why would you then change, just put the jacket on? It's wet. It's sticky. I'm with you. I'm with you. I didn't, I didn't think it was any like, it's like I don't think time, she needs to try to turn him on. One time. I don't think she needs to, to try to do that. One time when we worked together at the cinema, 
I had a soda thing explode on my pants and I had Coca-Cola all over my pants and I took off my pants to drive home uh, because they were so wet and sticky and then I got pulled over by a cop. So I have personal experience with... I remember with, that. <laughs> with, <laughs> I do remember you telling me this. And when the, the when the officer was approaching the vehicle, I was desperately trying to get my pants back on, which was a weird moment. I should have just left them all the way off because then when he got to the window, then they were just pulled down like enough to look like I had just pulled them down. It was rough. Um, but what I'm saying is it can be very uncomfortable when you have a sticky drink. I would have changed my shirt as well. There, I think the uh, the questions were like, did she try to put on something sexy? And I'm like, she's Anna Scott. I don't, I don't think, think she she's needs to. really. No, I, I think it's okay. Mm-hmm. I think she I think she understood the power dynamic in that particular relationship. <laughs> oh, yeah, she did. Yeah. So this is a good time, I think, too, to talk about the market. We got a couple of questions about this. Uh, at Buddy or Butter Peanuts asked about it had to be crazy on Portobello Road. So I did some research to make sure that they filmed on Portobello Road, which they did. So uh, the answer to that question was it sounds like it was probably an absolute nightmare mm-hmm. to film that scene, which we'll break down in a little bit where it's like the changing of season scene and sure. everything. But you see Portobello Road quite a bit yeah. in uh, in this movie which is interesting because the majority of the movie is on a set like they just built the travel bookshops on a set the interior of everything's obviously on a set all of that but i guess richard curtis wrote over 200 letters to residents in that area of notting hill to try and get permission from them to be able to film on portobello road and all Hmm. those places by saying we are going to donate you know money to a bunch of different goodwill organizations Mm -hmm. and things like that um, if you let us do this, because again, the neighborhood is so important to the narrative of this film. Um, See, you, you, the neighborhood me. is almost a character. It's so crucial that it take place in this neighborhood. You're coming around. By the end of this, you're going to be like, Cole. Am I coming around? Do you not yeah. know me at all? Was that my sincere voice? <laughs> yeah. You, you know, do you, uh, do you have one? <laughs> that that, wow, cuts me deep. That cuts me deep. Okay, so let's now, this is probably just a good time to break down what I think is probably the scene most people think about with Notting Hill, even though later we're going to talk about, I see, I see how you're looking at me, later <laughs> we're going to talk about like the dinner scene that I think encapsulates the whole movie, but right. I think when people think about this, it, first of all, it's Bill Withers' fault, I think, because it's a great song, like it's the perfect <laughs> it's use song. of Ain't No Sunshine. Yep. Um, which totally goes in the face of your bad songs in this movie bullshit take we had just a you few minutes ago. You know what? I wasn't thinking about Bill Withers. I, I was thinking about she... And then the other one. The other one. Bone Wither on the Bench. That one. <laughs> oh, God. That was a great... Right? Thank you for doing that. That was Anytime. That was a gift to everybody. This is why you keep getting invited back. I'm here for you. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad we're recording. Um, so, <laughs> is so, that going to be your ringtone now? Yeah, that's that's going to be our new <laughs> intro, actually. Those are your oh, bumpers really? now, yeah. Okay. So this scene, uh, if you guys haven't figured it out yet, is the one that we're talking about, like, on Portobello Road. And this is after they kind of have the, the big breakup, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you look back on it now and you kind of see all the Easter eggs. But I think the first time you see it, you're like, wow, spectacular use of time passage with an amazing song. We just stroll down this incredibly famous part of Notting Hill, which is incredibly important to this story. That's in <laughs> this neighborhood. Maybe that's why I put a little less weight on this scene than you do. I'm kind of like, okay, like I, I look at it and I see that it is a 
it is a uh, like directorial, like technological, like there there are things that have been achieved in yes. in this film. It to me, it's not like ooh, as a as a as a f- function of like the the movie, the story, the character. You know, like it seems like a great feat of filmmaking this scene, but that's kind of where it ends for me. So you're like, good frosting doesn't really do much for the cake. Yeah, yeah, I okay. think so. Yeah, Be- I think it's impressive. I don't. I, think, I don't know that it's necessary. I think it might stick out more for me just because, kind of what we talked about with Roger Michel earlier about like this is sort of form directing. There's not a ton of greatness done except for that dinner sure. scene. We'll talk about it a little bit, but yeah. also this does strike me as like an artist had an idea and they executed yeah. it, and you know we get to see certain things about Honey and her relationship when she says she falls in love with cruel men later. We get to, you know, or earlier rather, we 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 see that play out without having to have scenes about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I still love the bookend with the pregnant woman, and then her with the baby at the very end. Like I, it just that it is cool. It's impressive, it's, and it's very sweet. Like, mm-hmm. I, and I agree with you. It's more candy than it is like eating your vegetables and getting through the plot. But it's just again to your point earlier about like this shows that people love him. Like he just seems like a beloved guy. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And so, Oh, his community loves him. His friends love him. Why doesn't Anna Scott love him? Yeah. And he's so sad. He just has to, he's just so sad. The seasons are just passing. He never changes clothes. It's like (laughs) he never changes clothes. (laughs) I was going to say so gross. For those of you who are both cigarette burns fans and also twilight fans, it's like that section of new moon where Edward is, broken up with Bella and then it's just the months chapter 4 January chapter 5 February chapter 6 March you know like and it's just the months you just have to flip through the months and you're like oh my gosh Bella is just existing she's not living and I think that's how we feel is it for him mm-hmm. everything else is going on around him he's not he's not moving forward you know so you yeah. know mm-hmm for those of you who are Cigarette Burns listeners who might not be into New Moon, I would not expect a New Moon episode of Cigarette Burns in case you're <laughs> like, oh, this was planting a seed for further payoff. Or did later. we just speak it into existence? <laughs> like, how how stupid, how deeply stupid would it be if you just did a New Moon, like Twilight 2, like the, se- the second one, you know, like... <laughs> Two in a series of four for we'll have, no fucking we'll have Jed reason. Come on for his diss track, and we'll just make him do New Moon <laughs> by himself. But that'd be great. No, I, I just I think this is the scene, like I said, that, that really stands out. It's an incredible music choice. It's artistic. It's wonderful. And I, again, I think not the most impactful. See, is that goat yeah. or is that? That is a combination of rooster and goat. So both they both agree excited. with me. That's what yeah. I appreciate. Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. like getting the applause. Um, <laughs> that while it may not accomplish as much as the dinner scene, it's just it's just good to watch. It's just wonderful. So um, that's another, you know, in the question about was it difficult to film on Portobello Road and things. It probably looks like it, but is worth mm-hmm. it. So whatever the letters and all that stuff that, you know, helped make it happen. Awesome work. Now, this this happens way after their you know their first kiss and you know in getting back to kind of what we were talking about before we got sidetracked you know she kisses him 
And then she tries to get a hold of him and Spike screws up the messages. But again, it goes back to the fact that that's just Spike. Like, that's not a dick move by Spike. That's just kind of who he is. Yeah. I want to say where I feel like Will sealed the deal with her when it's like, oh, this is the guy is when she says best not to tell anyone about this. And he says he's going to tell himself about it a lot, but don't worry, he'll never believe it. I yes. found that to be his most charming, far more charming than when he mutters heavenly into the refrigerator. Um, that's that's what sealed it for me. I have to ask, because they, they kind of rest on the idea that surreal but nice is, I'm not saying that's the most charming thing in the world to say, but he like is kicking himself after he closes the door. Mm-hmm. And she like they bring it up again, like he apologizes for surreal but nice. And then she's like, is that like that didn't strike me as like a terrible thing to say to her. I think for him, he he recognizes in the bookshop and just because he's a human in the world that every interaction she has with a non famous person has to be about her fame and the and that power dynamic dynamic and the fact that, you know, she's. A star and he never once until that moment acknowledges that. So I think that's why he's kicking himself for saying it was surreal. Because if she was just a normal girl that he met in the bookshop, he wouldn't have said that. And so, that's like, fair. that's okay. why I think I like he's that. kicking himself. That's what I've always thought. I like that. Good, good call. Like and then she lot. feels the same way because she never has an interaction with a normal person that's normal. And so for her, it's surreal as well. I, I think that the genuineness of their first interactions is sort of unique to the meat cute situation because mm-hmm. they obviously have the meat cute. We have the spilled orange juice. We have mm-hmm. the bookstore. We have all that. But then there's not like you don't see gigantic uh, like explosions going off over their head like fireworks are crazy. It's just like mm-hmm. this nice slow burn build mm-hmm. of like she's kind of sarcastic and funny but not mean. And I just really enjoyed their interplay without it being like, oh my God, love at first sight for both people. How are we going mm-hmm. to make this work? And I think a, I think a worse movie, but probably a more common movie, makes them fall in love right away. Right, and then it's about them navigating whether it's hiding it or fame, or the fame breaks them up or whatever. So I'm really every time I see this movie, ecstatic they didn't go that route. Yeah, because I, I, like I said, I don't think she left the bag, but I do think there if she wasn't into him, she wouldn't have gone back for the bag. Because it was her shopping bag with the travel book in it. That was one of my questions, too, was would she go back? Who the fuck cares? Like, she went back strictly because... uh, She went back to kiss him. She went back to kiss him. And, you know, the reason that she wanted to kiss him is because he says kebab so perfectly. So, when... Which is... Which is... And I promise you, you could write emails. I'll give them to Jesse. That is how I say kebab. Anytime we want to go get kebabs, I'm like, let's let's get some kebabs. How often do you and Jesse get kebabs? I like a kebab. I like a uh, really once a week, maybe. You know? Sorry, I just like these windows into your Hollywood lifestyle. <laughs> I, we make them though, like we make we make them. So. Wow, you make kebabs. I mean, wow. it's a stick in a grill. You're giving me a lot of credit here, or you're just making well, fun of me. My husband once asked asked me to turn on the grill because he was on his way home. And boy, if I didn't know how to do that, that took the YouTube. <laughs> it's sad, so. though. I'm actually getting I'm, I'm shy on my kebab intake because we can't grill out here because the world's on fire. Mm-hmm. Man. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's tough for you. Sad subject. Anyway. But hey, you know what? Generally, though, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for learning how to work that grill and, and do a kebab. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I do want to talk about her style in this movie, though, too. Because okay. I think it's fucking incredible. Yeah. The 
the suit at the press junket. With the tie? Loved it. With the, the dimple tie? Loved it. Loved it. Really? I loved are it. You, are you being real with me I'm right being now? I'm being 100% real with you right now. I'm being 100% real. I... Oh my god, Cole. Like, I think her style in this movie sucks. The only... The only outfit I like is when she goes to dinner with the with the friends. Yep, that's incredible too. That's it's a great outfit. Phenomenal. The the beret was a bold choice, particularly in that moment in time at the bookstore. Woof. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. The one thing is she does have a sunglasses problem. She had it in my best friend's wedding. She has it in this. Just mm-hmm. too many sunglasses. Really weird sunglasses. The late nineties were a weird place for sunglasses. I recognize. <laughs> um. I mean, 2020 is also a weird place for sunglasses. I don't know if you've seen what the kids are doing these days, but it's rough out there. I don't go outside, so yeah, I have no clue. Oh, okay. Cool. Cool. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I I think she looks incredible in this movie. You don't think like her hair, everything is like incredible? I think you're blinded by how beautiful Julia Roberts is. Because in that end scene, girl standing in front of a boy scene, her cardigan straight does not match. It does not match. Her shirt yeah, it doesn't match. I wouldn't catch that. That's not something. Exactly. And then it's a different blue for the skirt, which would work if it were just the cardigan or just the shirt. But the three together are not not things to be worn. But together, don't they look better because she's giving him a million dollar painting and saying she loves him? Yeah, I, I'm, that's what I'm saying. I think you're blinded because it's not the clothes. The clothes suck. It's everything else that's great. Totally disagree. Totally disagree. Right. Man, I thought we were going to be on. a lot more common ground in this episode. Me too. This is Me too. Now I'm not even sure if we're friends anymore. <laughs> oh, oh, please. We're not. The last 20 uh, years have meant nothing well, to me. <laughs> well, this is this is going to play right into your, your wheelhouse. Question from a lot of people. Is Anna Scott, not Julia Roberts, but is Anna Scott a good actress? A bitch. <laughs> a good actress. Oh. Oh, man. Is she a good actress? I... Have never thought about this, but based on them running lines, I don't know though. She was having a bad day that day. That was the day that her nudes were leaked. Yeah, let's so not. So I can get where she maybe all, wasn't. That's rehearsal. On. We don't grade on rehearsal. Well, if you've already got a script in your hand and you're memorizing your lines, so assumedly like table reads have already been done, you've read this script, you've taken this role, you've been through the contracting process. You're now memorizing your lines and you don't know that your son is named Johnny and not Jimmy. I think we have a problem. It didn't sound like that movie was a lot about her kid, though. I'm just going to throw that out there. But it was a lot about her co-star, who she also didn't know the name. It was like Clark or Max or something like that. Like he corrected her. Yeah. Yeah. She didn't get that right. She didn't know. The nudes came out that day. We're not judging her on that. Yeah, we're, we're not judging her on that. We're judging her but on... But that's all I have to go on. No, that's not all you have to go on. You have the scene Walking down the spaceship thing in Modine. Helix. Yeah, you've got the Helix clips. You've she got, did well in the Modine scene. Modine did She was good in that. Modine struggled. No. Yeah, well, and so did the so did the choice of black and white. What was that? That was... That. Why, is, why is Anna Scott in a black and white film in 1999? I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it it wasn't the artist, you know, like it wasn't, it just seemed like a modern movie. It's very This strange. isn't Good Night and Good Luck. Jesus. Yeah. Um, there, there, it seemed to be a choice for no reason. And is, is that the worst proposal you've ever heard in a movie? In seven seconds, I'm going to ask you to marry me. Anything that starts with like, smile is the worst thing this, I've ever seen. 
No. I'm gonna go with no. Anna. I'm gonna go with Anna Scott is fine. I don't think she's Meryl <laughs> Streep. I don't think she's Julia Roberts. No. Um I think she's fine. That's yeah. that's what I would say. I don't think she's a bad actor. I don't think when she's saying I'm a bad actress, whatever, I don't think that's true. But I think she's totally a good, solid actress. I think she probably thinks she's a bad actress. Yeah, I would agree with that. That's I would fine. agree with that. I think she's probably better than Alec Baldwin. Yeah. Yeah. Or Billy or Steven. <laughs> I was going to say, better than Alec Baldwin, the actor, or like Jeff or whatever no, no, who no. plays in the film. Alec Baldwin, the actor. Although, can we hear this from Jeff just because it's one of my favorite things? Yes. Hey, baby, who is it? Uh, it's a... Uh... Uh, uh, room service. Oh, how you doing? I thought you guys always wore those, uh, penguin coats. Usually we do. But I was just, uh, just changed to go home. And, um, then I thought I'd take this final call. Great. If you don't mind, I would like something too. Could you bring me up some really, really cold water? I'll see what I can do. Still, not sparkling. Absolutely. Uh, ice cold, still water. Unless, of course, it's illegal in the UK to serve beverages below room temperature. I wouldn't want you going to jail just to satisfy my whim now. <laughs> no, I'm sure it's fine. Thank you. Hey, one more thing. If you don't mind, could you adios these dirty dishes and take out that trash, too? I really don't say adios these dishes enough. That's not something <laughs> I need to... I, every time I hear it, I'm like, I gotta start working that in to my lexicon. I mean, people are gonna hate me, but... I have a hot... I have a hot take there. Oh, God. Is, well, to be clear, like... Are we I doing justice for Jeff right now? Is this is that what's happening? A little bit hashtag justice for Jeff. Because I don't think we know the whole story on Jeff. It seems like he maybe cheated on her or like he did some bad stuff to her. The only thing he does in that scene that's really bad, that's like horrible person level, is be like, don't eat too much or you're going to get fat. Asking the guy who's taking your room service order to take the dishes away for extra dollars, I don't think is that bad. Oh, I'm not saying it's not that something it's bad. I would do, but I don't think I think it's played as bad though. I don't think it's played as bad. I see. I disagree. I don't think it's played as bad. I think it's played as actory douchey. I don't think it's played as bad. I yeah, think I think it's douchey. the watch what you get. I don't want people to say that there goes that famous actor with the big fat girlfriend. That's played. As yeah, bad. that's rough. That's not great. But I think earlier in the scene, you're supposed to think this guy's a dick. Oh, and that yeah. comes at the end of the scene. Yeah, yeah. I think you're supposed to hate him. But I think I think you're supposed to hate him because of all the goodwill that Hugh Grant has mustered through the first 45 minutes or whatever. Yeah, this is a guy that can get a sentence out. And we don't like we don't. I'm not anymore. happy with him having all this confidence with his words. <laughs> exactly. Thinks he belongs want- in the room. <laughs> We only want eye contact when it's brooding now that we've met Will. <laughs> Everything else needs to be like head down, scratching, a lot of scratching, a lot of like, oh. A lot of, a lot of this, a lot of hands yeah. back straight <laughs> through the hair. A lot of hands in the hair, yeah. Um, I will say every time I've returned from Europe, all I want is a super- Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I just heard it. I just- I'm sorry. Like, Did you hear it? I just, yeah. It just- on the back yeah. end there. On the back end. Yeah. I heard it. I'm not proud yeah. of it. I'm not proud of it. Turns out you can take the peeking <laughs> out of the boy. All right. So Continue. My Hollywood friend. Oh. Every, t- every time. <laughs> God, it's exhausting. <laughs> so. A private plane, too? Take you to Europe? 
No, no, that's that's just be honest. Regular Tom Bradley terminal. Um, oh, okay. Coach, fine coach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> on the very few occasions that I have been to Europe, uh, doesn't sound better. <laughs> I know it doesn't, but whatever. I do want a cold drink, like a badly. I want a cold drink so bad. Yeah, that's the thing. Asking for an ice cold drink, making fun of England for not having cold drinks, like those things didn't bother me that much no no that's I, a dumb joke i would probably make to house yeah keeping or yeah th- there was nothing like he was douchey and then he was mean and the meanness yeah. i when think he, is what sold yeah. it but um alec baldwin though coming in as a heater like throwing like 120 miles an hour in that scene oh yeah yeah doing he, great he, he was having the time of his <laughs> life well, in he, that scene he did a he did an interview and he was like oh notting hill was like awesome he's like i got mm-hmm. flown to london it was one day of work I'm with the radiant Julia Roberts, and uh, I get to say that stuff. Like, this was... Yeah, I get to demean her and slap her on the ass and, like, (laughs) laugh and then fly home. Make fun of Hugh Grant for a while and then leave. (laughs) But that was the thing I liked about the the faces that you knew, which we obviously didn't know Misha Barton at the time. We know her now. Okay, you're looking at me My God, was that Misha Barton? The little girl? Yeah? Yes. Holy... Fuck. And the thing that's crazy about that is it's only five years away from her being in Shut the up. Nope. Nope. <laughs> yep. <laughs> nope. Yeah. My head just exploded. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Five years later, <laughs> she's in the OC. She got taller. She did. Yeah. Yeah. And we also got to give a shout out to Clark Peters, another actor in Helix. Uh, you'll see him in <laughs> The Five Bloods. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's very, very good in that. Uh, I think... Treme. I didn't know he was in that. Treme was probably where I think most people recognize him. Yeah. From. I mean, he's been acting for I recognize him from years, Treme. But um, he's awesome. Treme. Treme. Yeah. That's another wreck. I'm going to wreck at the end. I love Treme. Because mm-hmm. it's a it great show and anything that has you Steve guys, Zahn. guys, brace yourself for these wrecks. They're coming. <laughs> the Steve Zahn classic Treme. Um, hey, listen. Steve Zahn didn't do a bad job in Treme. He's never done a bad job. Ever. Is he riding in Cars with Boys? Not a great movie, but he's awesome. Yeah, I guess he's fine. He's fantastic. I will not. There will there. You can shit on Anna Scott. You can talk about the bad direction. <laughs> you can talk uh-huh. about crappy titles. We will not be doing any negative Steve Zahn content. I That's love fine. Steve Zahn. No, I'm like just saying him. he hasn't sound, always been it good. Sounds like you hate him. This started by me complimenting Steve Zahn and Tremaine. That's how like, this conversation started. It feels like you said he was terrible in Saving Silverman, which is not something Let's, I'm willing to listen to. I would never say that. That's what I heard. I heard you thought you know he's an overrated feel comedic actor. Let's not do this in front of them, okay? I just... <laughs> Sorry, guys. Occasionally, you get to peek behind uh, the curtain, and it's not always rainbows and butterflies. It's not, it's not always roses, yeah. you know? So, Sometimes we get in knockdown drag-out fights over Steve Long. <laughs> so that was Misha Barton. Um, That's nuts. Whose favorite Italian director is Leonardo DiCaprio? It's a dumb joke because there's no way Hugh Grant doesn't. It's two years after Titanic, for God's sake. There's no way. I I feel that I am married to a man who two years after Titanic had no idea who Leonardo DiCaprio was. But is the man that you married sit down for movies at random with his roommate? No, he's never seen a movie. So like they they like watch movies. Like they, they Yeah, that's true. He watched a movie with his roommate, yeah. he goes to the theater. Yeah. 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 So he knows who Leonardo DiCaprio is. Anyway, I still like the joke. That's the thing about how charming Hugh Grant is in this movie, mm-hmm. where he's like, yeah, and which is why Richard Curtis has said like Hugh Grant is the only person for the parts that I put him in 
in my movies because he oh, yeah. he know he just knows how to say what I'm writing. That's mm-hmm. you know it's, it's exactly how it sounds in my head. Which is funny because Hugh Grant hates like romantic comedies. I don't want to say hates, but like he he kind of is like I got sick of doing those. Like those are not. I just show up and I say the words and that that's like it. Yeah. But what, and then he transitioned to yeah. his yeah. career in yeah. Um, well, he did other things. Yeah, he did the uh, a very British scandal or whatever on Prime. Sure, was decent. Sure, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, Florence Foster. I'm not Jenkins. saying he can't act in other things. I think Hugh Hugh Grant is a fine actor. I just can't really remember his his big <laughs> drama career after he transitioned out of romantic comedy. About a boy, yo. Is comedy in a lot of ways it's not not yeah i mean yeah he doesn't hook up with the boy but there's a romance (laughs) kind of throughout isn't there like a rachel vice or somebody in there isn't there a love story yeah Yeah. there's a love story yes yeah it's just not as funny of a joke um Yeah, Hugh Grant though he kind of sounds like a dick. Well, I mean, that boy grew up to be a hunk though. Nick Holt so. also a very good actor. Yes, like mm-hmm. Mad Max Fury Road, and you got me to watch um, the Great, great. which yeah. is great. And he got screwed out of an Emmy nomination, but it's yes, he did. It's he's and he looked good. the great in it. So you know, I'm not going to say Hugh Grant should have hooked up to the boy, but maybe like <laughs> given it a few years and then. Wow. Wow. And I said I wasn't going to say that because it's a bad joke. It's a poor taste. I said you should wait a few years. We're not into that here on the. No. On six... I'm sorry. I did this to your podcast. I'm sorry. <laughs> My podcast. Where are we at? Banned from Apple. Anyway. Uh, so many more questions. You guys had a ton of questions. Uh, love that. This was from Aaron P. Were there any parts you found charming on the first watch that you don't feel the same about now? Oh, she's fishing for something. I know. Mm. I know, right? (laughs) I thought this too, and I'm like, no, I'm thoroughly charmed every time I see this movie. I will say that on this watch, for whatever reason, I noticed far more how dirty and stinky his flat looks. Gross. Yeah. And how if I were her, I would have been uncomfortable in how gross his flat is. And if he said, do you want to take a bath? I would say, hard no, yeah. not here. Not in Definitely this not. place. Yeah. Yeah. That is one thing. And, and I have more visceral reactions to what I think smells like than, or what things smell like than most people. But every time they're in that flat, I'm like, I'm just grossed out. Totally and utterly grossed out. The only thing I can think, but the bath was still in obviously a common bathroom because Spike goes in. Because mm-hmm. I'm thinking like, oh, maybe Spike's. Maybe it's a three level whatever and Spike's no. level's really dirty, but I want to get this out now. Spike was going into the bathroom to masturbate. Pee, I thought. Oh no, because he had the yeah. With the good, magazine good open? Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Doesn't Spike have a bedroom to do that in? Is this common? Do men stand over the toilet and masturbate? Is that a thing? That's gross. Don't answer it. Don't answer it. I just personally think it's gross. Go to your bedroom, Spike. Go to the bedroom. I would I would assume that it is in bad taste to use common areas. Yeah. I mean, I guess like doing the shower. Or something. Don't do it over the toilet. It, that's a very strange choice, I feel like, Spike. But of the choices Spike makes in this movie, maybe not. No. The yeah, I got it. Like, yeah. but I think 
no. for Spike, it would be. I'm surprised it's not in the kitchen. More on track to just do it in the kitchen, guys. <laughs> like, let me get my shirt with my rat head on it, and there's a really, sink, you know. <laughs> yeah, that brings the whole. This yogurt has gone bad. I also love how he says oh. yogurt. Love that. Um, Keeps eating it. Ah, oh, it's mayonnaise. They do say mayonnaise with such a flourish, though. You know, mayonnaise. Mayonnaise. That's that's mayonnaise. <laughs> Like, ooh, that sounds fancy. <laughs> maybe I'll, now I will eat it by the spoonful when you say it like that. Yeah, maybe. All right. Are we at the dinner yet? Are we, we even going? In, are we, we just are gonna, questions? We are get, we're getting to the dinner right now. Yeah. So in my opinion, the dinner scene is kind of the entire encapsulation of the movie. If you wanted to make this a short film, I think you could really successfully do it from the time they get to the dinner to the time that they mm-hmm. leave. And it just ends in the park with them on the bench. That's a really mm-hmm. good, like, 20 mm-hmm. minute short film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agree. And I wouldn't be sitting here calling her a bitch. Oh, so you're... Is this, like, the only part... Let, we gotta talk about that, I guess, before we get to the dinner. Like, why do you think she's a bitch? I just think she's so unfair to him at every turn. Like, he never... He never shows her anything but that he's totally genuine and on the up and up. And she she never gives him the benefit of the doubt. Not once. And she is on the paparazzi morning. She is so mean to him. She's so mean. Yeah. And that's the only time that I think like she handled that horribly. Mm -hmm. But with this caveat, I think that they kind of go out of their way to ensure that we as an audience know Will has no clue what her actual reality is. The only reality Will is aware of. Because he says some really ignorant shit, too, in that whole mm-hmm. uh, exchange. Like, oh, this will all... He, do- he does at the end. But yes. she has already lost her shit on him in an unfair way by the time he gets to saying his unfair shit. Right. But I also think it's crazy every time I see it that he's like, don't go out there. How does he not yeah, say just that? don't leave. Yeah. He, well, he kind of does when she's a right about to open the door. But there's so much time that goes, like, but she's he, walking he that wide. He could have stopped her. He could have, like, held his hands out. I don't know. It blows my mind. The only thing I can think is, uh, I don't know. It. I just I just took it as such a bumbling moment that he was just so uh, freaked out by when he opened the door that he, he, couldn't, he couldn't make the words. Yeah. Which, you know. But, is in character. But I like how, you know, when he's like, your perspective's a little out of whack. She's like, no, our perspectives are a little different. Like, you you need mm-hmm. to understand what my life is versus what your life is. I think most of the things she said in that were fine. But upstairs, when she's getting her shit together, yeah. she, it is, oh, this is going to be great for you. You can tell everybody you fucked me. Like, that stuff is just like, whoa. Yeah. Way out of control. And listen, we're not there yet, but she has a boyfriend this whole time. And she says this thing of like, oh, I didn't know if he'd ever come visit. So what they're fighting or whatever, I guess. I don't know. But she doesn't tell him. And then when Alec Baldwin is like, is this a good surprise or a bad surprise? She's like, good surprise. <laughs> like, get this loser out of here. I want to have sex with you. <laughs> like, it's very, I mean, it's rough. Yeah, I agree like, with that. I, I think the... Having a boyfriend or whatever uh, is rough. And I, I think that she and it's one of the things I like about her is she doesn't handle everything perfectly. And Julia Roberts did an interview about this where she was like, it's weird. Like I had to not judge this character because 
I was judging her so hard about mm-hmm. every single, she's like, every single decision she's making is not what I would do. Which I think goes back to, you're not going back to his flat. You're not kissing mm-hmm. this random guy. You're not going to keep, you're not going to invite, like everything she's doing. You're not going to handle the nude thing this way. You're not going to handle whatever. Um, right. And she's like, in order to play her, and she does play her, like, I think incredibly genuinely, but also not perfectly. Like, she's not a perfect person. She makes these huge mistakes, which is, again, something I like. I don't like movies where you have one of the characters that is objectively perfect, and then Mm -hmm. the other one's just fucking up, and you're waiting for that other person to figure it out. Where Mm -hmm. I think Will would be our objectively perfect person, but he's not either. Like, he is way too naive about her circumstance, I think not to be an actual character flaw, not just like a sweet, Oh, I don't get it. No, you don't, you don't live in the sticks, man. You live in London. You understand paparazzi. You, I mean, this is a thing. Like how can Mm -hmm. you not get it? When she, when she's on the historical set and she says, Oh, he's a guy from the past. It's kind of awkward. I honestly don't know why he's here. She didn't need to say that. That's true. No, I totally, she could have said he's, he's an old friend. Yeah. I mean, that's so strange. Yeah. Why Why did she feel the need? Yeah. I don't know. No, I, I give you that. that that's the one that actually bothers me more than the, oh, I just got this paparazzi pictures three days after my, or two days after my nudes leaked or whatever, her response mm-hmm. there, which is not great. The one that always bothers me is the one on the set where he's from my agent's office. You can lie about a million things. You don't have to yeah, be Yeah, like, there's so many things. He's, he's nothing. He's He's from wherever. I tend to give her, I think, a little bit more of a pass because it would be even at the point that they were at the uh, having the fight after the paparazzi, he had shown his ignorance in a couple of ways. And they had been to, you know, they had dated and seen each other a little bit through that time for him to be able to say or or should have been in the spot to be like, I get it. I I get your full rounded world a little more uh, than I did maybe at the beginning. But I also feel like she's already had two interactions with him. That he could have told people about. Yes. And she knows he didn't tell anybody because she hasn't heard about it. So for her her to jump to, this is going to be great for you. You can tell everybody. Yeah, that's a dirty, that's a below the belt hit. Yeah. I hated it. Okay. But (laughs) what's great is the dinner and everything about the dinner. So. Yes. Oh, I just, Horse and Hound is also hilarious. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Just, I um, wish it would have come back at the press conference. I wish that when they raise their hand and they like, they usually say, you know, from from Time Weekly or whatever, right. this is Aaron and I'm asking a question. They didn't do that in the press conference. But what I wanted was for everybody to say their magazines or newspapers and then call on him and then him be like, um, well, he <laughs> Hor- does, Horse and Hound. <laughs> but he does at the end say the readers of Horse and Hound will be. Yes. Yeah. No, I'm with you. But I'm I wanted you. him to have to say it first. I wanted him to have to be like, uh, this is a question from uh, Horse, Horse and Hound. Um, <laughs> Horse and Hound is such a brilliant choice. And it would make the question so much more funny. Like from Horse and Hound, um, would you g- give give him a second chance uh, if he apologized to you? <laughs> And said he'd been a right prick. Um. <laughs> and guys, obviously we we can't go through every inch of the movie, but just the press junket part when they're doing the Helix press junket, that whole sequence with the two of them with her PR agent in the room is uh-huh. just absolutely incredible. And that's the classic Hugh Grant stumbling, bumbling. Um, mm-hmm. I can't walk in a straight line. <laughs> what about what about hounds? <laughs> <laughs> oh, readers oh, are equally, readers are equally interested. interested in both. 
<laughs> you are house. You are horse and hounds' favorite actress. Well, you and Black Beauty. It's a tie. <laughs> On a submarine. How unfortunate. <laughs> It's so good. It's so good. Um, anyway, I just wanted to acknowledge Horse and Hound before yes, we get to the dinner. Yes. The dinner. So the dinner. Okay, we are finally at the dinner. Um, it's kind of interesting that I feel like this movie builds to the dinner, and the dinner is such an explosion. I don't want to say that everything that comes after the dinner is a bit of a letdown, but there's a lot of stuff that happens after it, but this is just such a mm-hmm. happy, fulfilling scene that accomplishes everything the full film is trying to tell you about all of these mm-hmm. people. And I think it's great that she calls him back to cancel her thing from the press junket Mm -hmm. to go to the dinner, which is great. She brings a little gift from Tiffany's, which is a super Hollywood thing to do. I wouldn't know anything Mm -hmm, about that. I want to be very clear. Oh, really? Because I don't live in Hollywood. You've never gotten me a birthday present. No. Well, period. I don't know that you've ever gotten me a birthday present. I'll have to think about it. You own from Justin to Kelly, so you're welcome. (laughs) Oh, I do own from Justin to Kelly. Oh, you got me that prop from Gangs of New York one year. You have gotten me... Birthday presents. Come I'm on. sorry. I'm. I was sorry. good. I'm I was sorry. good to my friends. Come on now. Yeah. Um, yeah. What was? You were. I don't, I don't this know. Year yeah. I didn't even get a fucking call. No. <laughs> you, no. That's you were. True. Yeah. You were back in the day. It's all gone away. 2020 is a motherfucker. Um, happy birthday, by the way. When was that? June, yeah, June. July? Yeah. Wait, let's exchange happy birthdays now because I think this is <laughs> hey, the first happy time. Happy birthday, we're doing it. man. You too. Um. <laughs> so they show up, and it's his sister's birthday, and. Max is the worst cook in the world, which is always a wonderful trope. I never understand how you can be that bad at cooking. Mm-hmm. He opens the oven, shit's burning, and he just closes the oven. But also, this is like a classic Richard Curtis thing. Like, yeah. remember the dinner party in Bridget Jones's Diary where it's like blue soup because she uses blue string to tie the thing mm-hmm. together? I mean, this is this is like, this is his favorite. And it's, and it's a good trope, like... Not all tropes are bad. It's a great trope. Mm-mm. It's no, wonderful. Tropes are great. Yeah. So he's a uh, really bad cook, comes to the door, kind of ignores Anna, which is a nice little sort of sleight of hand. Mm-hmm. This is where, when we're talking about actual filmmaking, because like I said at the beginning, to me, this is mostly just frame the shot and let million megawatt Julia Roberts kind of do her thing mm-hmm. and let Hugh Grant do his thing and charisma wins the day. This one, there's some kind of interesting dolly shots and kind of how they're they're cutting and, and weaving yeah. through the table. And mm-hmm. they're not necessarily always focusing on the person talking so much as the person reacting, which I think is really nice. Yeah. And they don't have them seated stupid so that you can see all of them in every shot. Right. And it's it's also not at some sort of Victorian mansion where it's it, this is a small table mm-hmm. in a small home and it's mm-hmm. crowded and it's cramped and it's smoky and... You know, it's one of the things that while I absolutely detest smoke, I think smoking is gross. I love it in films because just watching some smoke filter through uh, mm-hmm. a shot, it's really way better on black and white. But even in color movies, it, it just sort of adds this dimension and depth to the scene that I really like. And it, it makes it feel more communal that way, I guess, uh, as far as I'm concerned. But I love all the people in this scene, even mm-hmm. though they do shit that I hate, like Bernie. Asking about, you know, the story about the salary? Hmm, no. You know, so the salary line where she's like, I made $50 million. Oh, yeah. yeah. I thought you meant there was a story behind the line or something. There yeah, is. Yeah yeah, 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 there is. So, oh, okay. So the original scripted line, I think it was like eight or $10 million. And mm-hmm. she kept, they kept, you know, take one and Bernie would ask and she would say 10 million. And then she said 12 mm-hmm. million. And then she finally gets to 15 million. And Hugh Bonneville, who plays Bernie, finally asked her, like, why do you keep changing the number? And she's like, I'm sick and tired of lowballing myself. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm like, oh, Julia Roberts is that lady that she Ooh. she is. And when you I, like I went back to watch some interviews of her kind of doing some press for this today show, stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I kind of forget because I don't watch TV in that way anymore. Like you used to say, or at least I did like, oh, um, you know, Tom Cruise is going to be on the Today Show. Sure. Or, you know, yeah, and it's you, not a thing anymore. Catch, it's yeah. just not a thing. You forget when people had movies coming out, they went on the shows to to do interviews. Right. And people are trying to have this like, oh, well, you did this, like, whatever. And she was like, no, I'm going to seriously talk to you about this. Like, you're not going to make fun of me because I know you're not asking Hugh Grant the questions in this. But, like, it was really mm-hmm. like, no, I'm throwing it. And I loved it. Like, it was great. And... That was, an atti- that. that was an attitude she brought to this movie, which I thought was really interesting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I-, I love the idea that I just think that these people get together for dinner like twice a month. Yeah, I, they really seem like real friends. They they all fuck up in some kind of lovable way. Like Bernie's worse than the others, but God, the sister's great. Yep. Where she's like, I know this is an opportunity for me to be cool and I'm not going to be and i've just always thought we could be best friends <laughs> like i could find cheap clothes for you you don't need cheap clothes like i just and it's so great how awkward it is at the beginning and then how settled it is by the time they clip to the dinner scene and everybody's everybody's cool now and now they're making jokes about how the sister is best friends with her and like how right. stupid it was well, for it, her to have said that it's really great and like i don't i've never hung out with movie stars but I assume that that would be kind of how it would be, right? Like, yeah, okay. yeah, I, I thought it was pitch perfect. Fir- yeah, that first exhale of like, oh shit, you know, and and you know, holy but fuck, and all that. And have you never hung out with movie stars? I've, Is that accurate? I've met, but no, like hung out mm-hmm. and stuff. Nah. Have nah. you ever hung out with any of the stars of Center Stage? Um, which is uh, a movie. Yeah, I, well, I don't consider uh, him an actor, but we've played some tennis. It's incredible to me. Um, <laughs> we have played some tennis. Uh, I'm trying to think of uh, yeah. actors that you've hung out with, but that's one. Matthew um, Lillard, I believe. Jai I've Courtney. S- I've s- oh, that was Jed. Jai Courtney. Oh, Jed. I thought that was you. No, no, no. Jai, uh, Jed met Jai Courtney. I like. I just liked that. Like, it was just so cool that they exhaled. I was like, okay, now this is just somebody at dinner. Yeah. And the brownie game. The we Bernie got a, game's so good. We what a what a great piece of writing. Unbelievable piece of writing. Mm-hmm. Who do you think should have won? Hmm. Oh, that's a great question. Not her. Not Anna Scott. I don't know. I think I think Bella has to win just because she's revealing this news for the first time. She cried. She sold it. Yeah. See, I I think Bella, because like Will ends up with the brownie. Mm-hmm. Which is nuts. His thing is, I was called floppy. Right. Uh, oh. Yeah, but but he has to end up with the brownie because they can't then give it to Bella. After she reveals this thing of like, I was in this accident, I can't walk, and now we found out today we can't have children, and now I'm crying. They can't be like, yeah, you are sad, Bella. <laughs> take the brownie. You've, now they have to make it ironic and give it to somebody I, else. I can't taste food anymore because you've made me so sad. Right. Um, I mean, they have to give it to somebody else and be like, no, no, that's not sad at all to like cheer up and make her feel better. Well, and I think the brilliance of the scene is to have the person that talks after Bella be Anna mm-hmm. Scott. Be like, have the stranger mm-hmm. to the scene who's the most famous person in the world who, to a commoner, would have nothing to complain about, be the one who breaks mm-hmm. the sort of silence and says, right. well, hey, huh, my life sucks too. 
as both and a have joke them not and then, buy it at all. Well, yeah. but but have her do it in a way that was real, as opposed to like, do you have any idea how hard it is to walk down the street and not be able to just disappear? Like, right. like the genuine when you ask people about what's the worst part about being famous, why well, I can't go into a store. She was like literally surgeries, diets, bad boy, mm-hmm. like actually opened herself up. I think that was the mm-hmm. a really really good part of that scene. Ah, God, I love it. But then to have them tease her about that, I thought was also very important. Yeah, Yeah. the rapport that they all established. I was like, ooh, I Mm want to see them all hang out. Like, that's a scene I'm missing from the movie. And I went through all the deleted scenes. They were all excellent deletions. There's a reason Mm -hmm. they didn't make the movie. But I would have liked to have seen a scene, sort of like you get in Crazy Rich Asians, I guess, where, like, when they first get to Thailand, it's like, oh, the the person's hanging out with the crew. And, like, like, another one of those, like, well, and that makes that last scene where they tell him to go get her so much better because they That's know her. Point. That's a good point. Yeah. And and I think we're supposed to understand that maybe this was a little bit like maybe she saw them again or something. I, I don't mm-hmm. know. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff out there about, you know, 15 facts you need to learn about Notting Hill if you don't know him or whatever. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them is like, where'd you come up with this idea? And Richard Curtis said, well, I thought it would, you know, I read some things where he did an interview where he said, well, I thought it would be very cool. Uh, to have a movie where I just showed up to a friend's dinner party with the most famous person in the world. So like this dinner scene was reported to be like the 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 birthplace of this film. Yeah, it shows. But then Hugh Grant did an interview and he said, you know, Richard doesn't tell this story, but we were having a drunken evening together. And this story is based on a true story. Not oh. in Not in his life, but he knows a guy who had a very famous person who was unnamed go into his shop and they went back to the apartment or whatever and had some fun. And every time that person was back in London, they would sort of reignite the, uh, the rendezvous and back and forth. So I don't know who it is. I could not find yeah. that. I'm sorry. I hate, to, I hate to tease you with that, but I know that's, I'm so, like, that's such a great story. That's an awesome story. Uh, unless who it turned out horrible. And also, why not me? Why not Aaron? <laughs> I don't understand. Why is it never Aaron? Aaron walks into Ginga Teague. And... <laughs> Gingo Teague. But yeah, so I guess, you know, he says, hey, Richard will never tell that story. He doesn't like to. Um, yeah. So the the official word. So I'm going to tell it publicly. Yeah, me, exactly. Hugh Grant. I'm going to be Hugh Grant <laughs> because hates, Hugh Grant is a bit really of a want dick, this to get out. Like, yeah. he's a bit of an asshole. Yeah, well cast in Bridget Jones. Yeah, I mean, prostitution controversy aside, he's done some like, like him and Julia Roberts didn't get along after this movie because he said some things about her voice being too deep and that and that he could hear the echo from her enormous mouth when they were kissing and things like that, which is. Yeah, that's rough. I think too much, too many things get written off as like, oh, that's just his sense of humor. Well, then his sense of humor no. is being an asshole. That's don't what that say is. it publicly. Yeah, don't do if it. If it's his sense of humor, he says it to a bro and then laughs and then moves on. Yeah, or they're close he, enough that they joke about it together. But yeah, uh-huh. it's not not press junket stuff. So no, and also Sandra Bullock has a huge mouth too. So like, well, and if we're gonna talk about <laughs> absurd features, Hugh, let's have a chat. <laughs> Let's let's talk. I could tile my bathroom with one of your front teeth. So let's not sit here <laughs> and talk about, you know, a big mouth for Julia Roberts. I'm sorry. Yeah, but I've seen also he is a he is a big of a dick and yeah. has nothing to do with the, the prostitution issue. No, no, not at all. Um but 
they then go to, I don't know, maybe the most heartwarming scene as they're walking away from dinner and it's the whoopsie daisies. Oh, the whoopsie daisies. The whoopsie and then she goes, she goes right over the the thing, and he can't climb it. He's so he's such a bumbler. But then, and then they walk around and they find the bench and the the you know those people they died on that bench or whatever. And it's sweet. <laughs> <laughs> it turns it turns out it was actually they were murdered. Um, they <laughs> really, yeah, they. Uh, That's the, why it's the, a red bench. That makes yeah. So much sense. The old people were sitting there, and Bright two guys red, just walked up and shot him in the head. Mm-hmm. It was terrible. But they were in love, and some people really do spend their whole lives together because they die together, <laughs> murdered on the bench. Um, but this is where there was like that weird drone shot. Yeah, that like I, I didn't get it. I I don't understand what that was. There were a couple things like that. That's this is the one that sticks out. In our last episode, we were talking about the Google hunting, where you're like, yeah, the directions you know pretty much fine. But then you have some really like a weird slow-mo for no reason, like just using it for no yeah. reason. I, and I think that's a good example of the drone thing. Like, Yeah. You okay. have a great scene in Goodwill Hunting where it's just like zoom in on that tongue as close as you can, <laughs> get in there. And then you have a weird like just kind of a sideways shot that you're like, why is it sideways? I don't understand. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that about Goodwill Hunting. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> just had to say it. I know you did. I know. they. The whoopsie daisies is the best line read from... Hugh Grant the entire movie because that's an impossible line like he obviously he he obviously says things that are more charming he obviously this is his role like I think this is probably the best he's been um in anything yeah to say whoopsie daisies and not make it sound like you're trying to say whoopsie daisies but rather it is something you say Mm -hmm. twice twice like impossible just incredibly incredibly second time you're trying to act like you're actively trying not to say whoopsie daisies and you still do. Yeah. That's that's a rough line. It's incredible. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, and so this is where we realize they're falling in love and this is all wonderful. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's a lot of really good sequences that don't go on too long. Which again is a problem that I run into in way too many romantic comedies where this yeah. one's like two hours and four minutes, which is a little bit long in the tooth for a romantic comedy as far as I'm concerned. Yep. Found that out the hard way this morning uh, <laughs> when hey, I Cole. delayed our recording by half an hour. <laughs> oh, thought this was a little bit shorter. But um, it's long-ish, but I don't know what I'd want to cut out, you know? I don't... No, there's nothing I would want to cut out. You'd almost... The only thing I would get rid of, if I had to, would be there's really no reason to show that he was trying to date again. Maybe. Mm. Like, there's no point in that. Maybe not. Yeah. You know. I think I think maybe we could have lost the thing where he defends her with the guys at the restaurant. Yeah, probably. But just I, because I felt that that conversation was a super unbelievable conversation. As good as Richard Curtis what is, he didn't write that to be like no one sits around with their buddies and talks about which actresses want it. Yeah, like, right. that's such no. a weird thing. I, yeah, I've known a lot of shitty people. I've never had those conversations. The uh, <laughs> special extra special glimpse into my life. <laughs> But uh, uh-huh. I, I think if you wanted to have the dating scene, I think you maybe not have him set up. I think they were trying to push because the supporting cast is so good. They're trying to have Max and Bella in it a little bit more as opposed to just mm-hmm. ha- show him going on three dates and actually dating Emily Mortimer as opposed to mm-hmm. bad setups. Sure. Just be like, oh, shit, now you're back and I'm kind of dating this other person. Although the fruitarian setup, which who knew that fruitarianism would then become a thing that is not what she explains, which right. is close to freeganism is what she explains that she does. Um, but fruitarianism is a thing, and it, it involves nomming on a lot of fruits, as we learned. 
I was getting ready to um, ask you if you were one because you've had quite a few delicious looking berries while we've recording this. I was hungry and I thought that it was something that wouldn't chomp. Um, they look delicious. No, I'm I'm not a fruitarian. <laughs> I was a fruitarian briefly one time, but um, it only lasted like three hours. Yeah, sure. But when she's explaining what fruitarians are, did you like so it zooms the camera zooms out. And as she's explaining it, Max and Bella just like quietly hold hands yep. as if to say, I'm so glad I found you <laughs> and I'm not out see, there. The more that I anymore. the more that I see that, I think they're like clutching hands to be like, aren't we terrible fucking people? We did it to him again. <sighs> yeah, we did it. to but him I again. kind of what think with this lady, doing? it's like somebody they knew at the office, but they didn't know it was this bad. Like they thought she was kind of cute, but they didn't know. I, yeah. I really feel like that one. They didn't know how deep the crazy went. And, and I also feel like setting people up, and maybe I don't know, because obviously been happily out the game for quite some time. And I I don't know that setting people up is, is that a thing now? Like, it feels like a thing from a bygone era. Like, let me set you well, up I think people set each other up. Or maybe it's just not something that happens, you know, I mean, I was married at 26. So maybe it's not something that happens until you're in your 30s. But I didn't know any yeah. friends that were trying to set people <laughs> like- up. You're hopeless. Here, here's a, here's yeah, a I, shot. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's just... It was never something like... I don't remember any of our friends ever trying that to happens. set people up. I have friends that have set each other up. And I think it's something that does happen when you're older. Because, I mean, you met Jesse in college. Right. And, and that's a time when you don't need to be set up with anyone. Because yeah, you're in true. college. Right. But once you get out of that and making friends is harder and the only people you know are your work friends, you know, then it gets a lot harder. Yeah, that's a fair and point. That's a good point. you have to rely on internet dating and much better is a voucher from a friend. Right. And in 1999, that just didn't exist at all. Online yeah, that's a fair point. But yeah, it's I, I would have liked to have seen more Emily Mortimer, but I don't know if that's based on her performance in this movie or if it's based on the fact that I've seen her in a bunch of stuff afterwards and really like her. Um, yes. So... Uh, we have a few more questions. I know we're getting a little long in the tooth, guys, and we'll, we'll wrap yeah. it up here. But um, we had a couple more. Uh, Brenda Divot at Brenda Divot was in a in a nice, fun place because she asked two questions: mm-hmm. big feet, large shoes, fact or fiction, mm. and does floppy refer to the hair? Question mark. He says it does. Yeah, I don't know that that's. But her- are you saying? <laughs> I don't know that that's a replication. But so I'm going to um, an- I'm going to answer very specifically. Hmm. Yes, it has to do with the hair. Um, I think it does. I think it has to do with the hair. Yeah, yeah. I would think. If, I think it does. Yeah, I would think so. Uh, if it's a schoolboy like nickname. Yeah, because I honestly think he would have told her if it didn't have to do with the hair. Yeah. I don't think he would have been able to stop it from coming out of his mouth if it didn't have to do with the hair. I think it's like the- yeah, yeah. I, this man cannot cannot keep a self-deprecating remark in. No. There's there's nothing he could have done to stop that. <laughs> and if it refers to something south of the hair, um, I did watch all the deleted scenes, and I can tell you that it is not contained in those. Um, <laughs> it is also my understanding that if you have big feet, you do indeed have to buy large shoes. That's um, true. Also, people ask, does James Bond really never have to deal with this shit? My God, do I love that line. And no, he doesn't because James Bond is an asshole with no friends. So there's no yes. one in the car with him. Okay? James Bond is an asshole with no friends. It's true. Uh, is the house real? We covered that earlier. Yes, it yep. is. At least the exterior is not the flat you mm-hmm. saw. 
How Disgusting. bad does Spike smell? I feel like we've hit this, but this is like on a we've scale of it. one to ten, he is like a four million. Uh, Spike smelled bad and Reese smelled bad. We've covered both. Yes. So I have two huge questions before we go on. One, okay. where does this rank in the Richard Curtis filmography for you? Oh. Okay, I've got to really think. Oh, I prefer I prefer Four Weddings and a Funeral to this. I feel like that is my number one. This would then oh, I really like Bridget Jones. I I don't I don't know between this and Bridget Jones, which I prefer. I enjoy rewatching Bridget Jones more, I'll say that. Than Notting Hill? Yeah. Okay. Um but I I I have a I have a problem. Um I have a Colin Firth problem. Um, <laughs> you were afflicted with the Darcy disease. Yes, a little bit. Um, I don't. I, the more I watch Love Actually, the more it loses its charm for me. False. I I, I still watch it. I'm just saying it it loses its shine every a little more every time I see it. Um, what else we got? Uh, I mean, that's kind of th- those are his big ones. I would those say, are the I big think, ones, yeah, yeah, those are the big dogs. I would say that I'm with you. Four weddings. It's it's hard because I sometimes when I look at people, whether it's uh, Aaron Sorkin or it's a Richard Curtis or it's an Antoine Fuqua, you hate to look at like one of the first things they did and say the first thing they did is the best thing they did. But in this case, I think Four Weddings. First right. of all, it was unique at the time. It's been redone a hundred times. Um, some would say Notting Hill is a bit of a nod to mm-hmm. you know that that formula, although it's way more sure. stylized and sort of Hollywoodized than, than a four weddings. Uh, but four mm-hmm. weddings is just such an incredibly interesting uh, movie and so well done and so well acted. And uh, that's my number one. I would call this my number two. I would call love actually my number three and a, a close four would be pirate radio. Um, I really enjoyed that movie. It's, it's not a romantic comedy. It's, yeah, it's just a good. It's like a solid. I like pirate radio. Yeah. yeah. Oh, about yeah. time he did, right? That was that good. Wasn't me. People like that one. I yeah, I would that that find wasn't, it that deeply wasn't sad at parts. <laughs> um, and then I guess the biggest question that we have to ask at the end of every romantic comedy is: Are they still together? Ooh, yeah. I think I think there was an epilogue, and they told us. Well, no, no, no. There's an epilogue that they're together six months later or whatever, or maybe married, but like. 2020 are they still together oh yeah 100 percent. you think so okay yeah these two are um there has been talk uh richard curtis has talked about wanting to get the band back together for a sequel a notting Um, hill sequel yeah i don't think that's that's not going to happen no that's not the band you get back together of all no 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 sorry and i i don't know if it's a sequel in the sense that that he did like the love actually sequel for red nose day where it's like a short eight minute film or something Mm -hmm. or if it's an actual sequel but it's like you can't have in my opinion a don't this is fine (laughs) this is perfect like don't but you can't like nobody cares about a romantic comedy i think in the context of divorce i can't really think of a good divorce romantic comedy like they kind of try with crazy stupid love, but mm-hmm. that's the part of crazy stupid love that I hate. Hmm. Um, because crazy stupid love should be a very very good movie, but it's thirty five minutes too long, and it tries to, it just kind of keeps going and going and going and going. So I think maybe they have kids and they would have to fall into some sort of 
romantic. It wouldn't mm-hmm. be Hugh Grant and Julia Roberts for an hour and 40 minutes. It wouldn't be that. God, so, I hope not. Well, and the thing is, like, I don't want it to be that. But if you're going to make it, it kind of has to be that. So let's yeah. just not make it. Let's just not yeah, do let's that. Let's just not do it. Richard, Why would you? I, you've emailed us a bunch on other episodes. So I hope you're listening to this one, too. Just don't do it. We're good. <laughs> We're, We're totally good. Cool. We don't need it. We're totally mm-hmm. cool. And I think we kind of got through most the of the random facts uh, that I was mm-hmm. able to kind of dig up. Uh, Julia Roberts hated the line, they go to bed with Gilda, they wake up with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really know why. It doesn't strike me as that interesting of a line, but also, like, it's not nobody puts baby in a corner. Um, well, I think there is. I She plays such a confident character. I, I feel like there's... Mm, I feel like if she had insecurities, that that those that wouldn't be those. If that okay. makes sense, those wouldn't be them. I can kind of see that. There are so many remarkable lines in this movie that we haven't. Like, oh, I I'm yeah. just going to acknowledge your kind request and leave it there. Is such such a heartbreaking line when yeah. he lets her down. Um. Well, and, and I I do we're gonna that that's gonna be the last thing I want to talk about is that okay. whole final sequence. So, um. Let's just let's just do that because we talked about the dinner scene being kind of not only the onus for making the movie, but also the movie in a capsule. But the scene that everybody remembers is obviously this. Mm-hmm. The thing is, the thing is, what? What is the thing? Don't even think about it. Go away immediately. Go away. Right. Sorry. You were saying? Yes. I have to go away today, but I wondered if I didn't, whether you might let me see you a little, or a lot, maybe. See if you could like me again. But yesterday that actor asked you who I was and you just dismissed me out of hand. I heard. You had a microphone, I had headphones. Well, you expect me to tell the truth about my life to the most indiscreet man in England? Uh, Excuse me, Uh, it's your mother on the phone. Uh, when you tell her, I'll ring her back. Uh, I've, I've actually tried that tack, but she said you've said that once before, and it's now been about 24 hours, and the foot that was purple is now sort of blackish in colour. And... Right, right, yeah. Perfect timing, as ever. Um, Martin, hold the fort a second. Uh, uh, yes, all right. Um, could I just say... <laughs> I thought Ghost was the most wonderful film. Is that right? Oh, yes. Um, I've always wondered what, um, what Patrick Swayze is like in, in, in real life. I can't say that I know Patrick all that well. What, he wasn't that friendly during filming? Well, I'm sure he was friendly to Demi Moore, who acted with him in Ghost. Oh. Oh, right. Sorry. <laughs> Always been a bit of an ass. <laughs> um, anyway, um, 
Well, it was lovely to meet you. Um, I'm a huge, huge fan of yours. Um, and Demis, of course. Sorry. It's fine. There's always a pause when the jury goes out to consider their verdict. <laughs> Anna, look, um, I'm a fairly level-headed bloke. Um, not often in and out of love. But, uh, can I just say no to your kind request? Leave it at that. Yes. Fine, of course I, of course. Well, I'll just be going um, then. It was nice to see you. The thing is, with you, I'm in real danger. It seems like a perfect situation, apart from that foul temper of yours. But my relatively inexperienced heart would, I fear, not recover uh, if I was once again cast aside, as I would absolutely expect to be. Uh, there are just too many pictures of you, too many films. You know, you'd go and I'd be, uh, well buggered, basically. That really is real now, is it? I live in Notting Hill, you live in Beverly Hills. Everyone in the world knows who you are. My mother has trouble remembering my name. Fine. Fine, good decision. Good decision. Fame thing isn't really real, you know. And don't forget, I'm also just a girl standing in front of a boy asking him to love her. So that's just a magnificent scene. I mean, that's just incredible. Mm -hmm. um, she's perfect. The outfit is perfect. Um, <laughs> He's incredible in it. Oh, he's so and, good in it. And what's really weird is in a in a lesser movie, in a much, much shittier version of this movie, that's like the last scene. Like a writer or a director is trying to play it cool mm -hmm. and against the grain, and this is the last scene. Mm -hmm. And this sort of is that second jump start to that last 10 minutes or whatever, which mm -hmm. I think is really interesting. It's sort of like instead of eating right all day so you have energy throughout the day they're like we're gonna give you a candy bar right now to get you through the end of this movie it's gonna <laughs> take you through the press conference the i'm just a girl it should be shouldn't that be like tacky shouldn't that whole thing just sound tacky yeah and the it just, whole th oh god it's it she does it. it she just does it so well it's just so good it's so earnest it is and every time i look at it and i you take the words out of her mouth and you just put them on the page you think it's bad writing. Mm -hmm. Like I would think that it was bad writing. Like, you know, the fame thing isn't real, right? Like you've mm -hmm. heard that in a million different movies, but when she's doing it, mm -hmm. you know, this is the Russell Crowe and gladiator where like, there's a lot of lines that are just like, yeah. Are you not entertained? I know what you're thinking is like, you had to bring up Russell Crowe in this. Of course yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. But I, <laughs> but like, that's what it is. It's like, here, Julia, do this. Like this one, I'm not giving to Richard Curtis. This one I'm giving to Julia. Oh Yeah. 
absolutely. And there's a reason why, like, when the paparazzi morning happens and he tries to get her to stay and tell her it's nothing and it's not a big deal and it's not real, and she tells him basically to fuck off and she's going to regret this for the rest of her life. Yeah. Um. Ugh, and he just, like, so broodingly is like, well, I won't. I will yeah. treasure it forever. <laughs> um. So... Honestly, it's just like that. I was going to play the clip, but you nailed it, so we're good. I there's <laughs> there's no acknowledgement that when she says, "You know, the fame thing isn't real," right? That could have been a line that offended me when she said mm-hmm. it because that's what he told you a mm-hmm. year ago in, in the foyer of his flat. But she delivers it so well that you don't think like you hypocrite, like you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, you you divorce it from her sort of mania over. And not really mania, like, she's right to be upset and be worried and be concerned. But yeah, it's it's so genius. Oh, my the God. The way she delivers it is almost you, because he, he, said, he compliments her when she comes in and says he's been watching her over the past year and she won this Oscar and, like, congratulations. And you, the way she delivers the responding lines, you realize that she's realized over the past year that it doesn't mean anything. Right. And once you realize all your dreams, you realize that those were the wrong dreams to have. Yeah. And somehow you get that out of her saying that one line. Yeah. No, it, anyway. it's so much is accomplished in a, in a relatively short scene. They have joke callbacks, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, they have his mom call in, which I think is really funny. Really like, good. Tam dog, I love you, but I just shit goes to voicemail. Um, if I'm <laughs> having that situation. Having That's, the old reader, the reader. His mother with the Grish- that he's calling Tam dog in that moment in case anyone's wondering. <laughs> that is true. Um <laughs> is that weird? But also, I love I love that for the character. That's like his mom is called twice. Yeah, like nothing's more it. important to him than his mom. You know, like yeah. it's just I I I just love that to have the Grisham guy come in and him go, no, absolutely not, no, Get out. not you, my not, mom, not maybe. Yeah, yeah, not today. Uh, <laughs> it's just awesome, and then that like goes immediately to like she brings in a painting that's wrapped up. We all know that it's going to be the Chagall painting, but um. Yeah. Dumb he goes to the he goes to the restaurant. Dumb bad painting. <laughs> Sorry, they had to de- they had to destroy it after the filming. By the way, yeah, for I'm sure. fear for fear of the counterfeit market. Of course, um, you would. So he's sitting, and and I just love this scene. I'm gonna play it. It's a little long, but I, I just want to play the whole thing because it's it's magnificent. Lack of move. I mean, when all's said and done, she's nothing special. I saw her taking her trousers down, and I definitely glimpsed some cellulite down there. Good decision. Yeah. All actresses are as mad as snakes. Tones, what do you reckon? Never met her, never want to. Brilliant. Max? Absolutely. Never trust a vegetarian. Great. Thanks. Brilliant. I was called when I came, what's that? William's just turned down Anna Scott. You daft prick. No, 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 it's actually quite sensible. Painting isn't the original, is it? Um, I think it might be, yeah. But she said she wanted to go out with you. Yeah. Well, that's nice. What? Well, you know, anyone saying they want to go out with you is pretty great, isn't it? It was 
sort of sweet, actually. Um, I mean, I know she's an actress and all that, so she can deliver a line, but um, she said she might be as famous as it can be, but also that she was just a girl standing in front of a boy, asking him to love her. Oh, sod a dog. I've made the wrong decision, haven't I? Okay. Um, good friends or bad friends in this moment? The I should say this. First go round. Good friends or bad friends? I think I think good friends the full the full time. Okay, I agree with you. I totally agree with you. The first time they're trying to make make him feel better about his choice, and then they just can't do it anymore. Um, well, see, I think it's this. I think it's a bunch of friends who have seen him go through a bunch of stuff, mm -hmm. and they're like, "Look, stats would show that he's going to get broken again." Mm -hmm. But I'm hoping between Honey and Max and Bella and Bernie and Spike, one of us is going to have the... We all want to tell him he should have said yes. Yeah. I don't want to be the one... I don't have the strength to do it, but one of us... Like, maybe it's going to be Bella. Yeah. Maybe it'll be Honey. <laughs> maybe somebody else one will. Of, and, and once somebody else does, then, then we'll, we'll be like, okay, yeah. actually that. And that so guy I is Spike. And that guy is Spike, which is uh -huh. a fucking clutch player. He comes to play. But I will say I would have had the wrong. I know myself. I know I would have had the wrong answer. And I would have been like, no, man, fuck her. Like, you do not. You do not. <laughs> and then when everybody else said yes, and then they got together, I, I would I would have had a serious conversation with that lady. Listen, <laughs> we like you. We were there for the brownie. We got it. We hit it. You're very charming, but we see through your shit. We know, and don't you think we don't know that you've been a bitch to him? And like, if you do it again, I'm going to give you bad review on Amazon for your next movie. <laughs> I, I'm I just imagine that. I'm serious. I just, I know you are. Trust me, I know you are. A lot of my uh, friends are married to people that I was like, no, don't you dare go back to him. <laughs> and, then, and then I've had to really eat crow. I like, know myself. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh -huh. Uh, no, the. The line that I love the most, too, though, is, first of all, when Spike says daft prick, it's just wonderful. Mm -hmm. And then when it cuts to Bernie, and he's so sad, he probably, Bernie kills himself between now and then <laughs> 20, I think. Um, he just, he's so, it, it's depressed, it's sad. Yeah. And then when he goes, I mean, like, he double checks with him, almost, to be like, okay, did I hear it right? She, she says she wants to go out with you, which is a very, oh, ele uh -huh. like, elementary school way to say it yeah but it's true and it's like and then and then like will thinks for a minute is like yeah yeah that's what she said and Bernie's like well, that's nice isn't it mm -hmm. <laughs> just yeah. somebody wants to go out with you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's so sweet and so mm -hmm. sad and so pathetic it's wonderful but then it leads into obviously he's like fuck i messed it up i believe he says prickerty is that a word I, I don't know. British fans again gonna need gonna need some emails to let mm -hmm. us know, or if I'm just hearing it wrong. But then they get in, they do the James Bond thing. Um, I love that they put Bella in the car. That's wonderful. Um, yeah. And they get to the Ritz, and then it's not there. They go to I believe the Savoy, Savoy. and the the wonderful climax at the press conference. And I love I, that. Like I have a question for you. Fire! I'm ready. Front desk guy says press conference. 
It's in the Lancaster room. And Will runs directly to the Lancaster. He's been there. He knows that Lancaster. He knows the Savoy yeah. like the back of his hand. <laughs> Isn't that the weirdest thing? Shouldn't he have yeah. been like, oh, the press conference, it's it's down the hall and to the left. Wouldn't that have been far more believable than it's in the Lancaster room? Okay. Runs as fast as he can directly in the direction of the Lancaster room. Yeah, I, there's a lot of what well, I mean, I'm just going to borrow from heaving bosoms. There's a logistics with Aaron here real quick. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's weird. He knows where the Lancaster room is. <laughs> yes. It's also weird that he asked for credentials. Will's like, here's my blockbuster card. That doesn't work. Mm-mm. And then Bella comes in and says, I'm writing an article about how London hotels treat people in wheelchairs. Wouldn't the next question be like, oh, okay, wonderful. Um, do you have a credential? Because you can, because you can write that article mm-hmm. without going to a private pre- or like a press conference that you're not credentialed for. Yeah, because, about a movie. Because person. your article is not about a movie or a movie star. Your article is, oh, how we treat uh, people with wheelchairs. Wonderful. Uh, would you like us? We can check you into a room. We can seat you at the restaurant. What would you like to do? How would you like to experience our restaurant? Um, mm-hmm. Going to a press conference, which oddly has no security. Um, that you're not credentialed for can't do that regardless of, Mm -hmm. you know, whether they're only there because the security at the other hotel betrayed her. Yep. Yep. He's like, you know what? If that, if that guy had seen him in person instead of listened to him on the phone, the first time he called to find her, I would have maybe understood it. I think we're supposed to believe because remember he goes back to the hotel with her. Oh, you think that guy the, saw him there for the adios, the dishes? Okay, that. <laughs> I think yeah. Okay, that makes more sense if we assume that he saw him because I'm just like this is just a random. This could be. Well, and I think the thing that makes that makes it more confusing is they try to call back to the joke on the phone, when mm-hmm. in reality Will would be like. You, you you saw me here a few nights ago, or you yeah. saw me like like you know. Please, please, mm-hmm. I'm trying to stalk this woman. Please, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, please, I'll do anything. Uh, <laughs> I need this. to bring the same air as her. Yes, you know yeah. this. But then uh, then we get you know the fantastic plea from Will oh, uh, so about you know here it is because he's better at it than I am. Yes, gentlemen in the pink shirt. Yes, Miss Scott. Are there any circumstances in which uh, the two of you might be more than just good friends? I hoped there would be, but no, I'm assured there aren't. But what would you say if... I'm sorry, just the one question, please. No, it's all right. You were saying? I was just wondering if uh, it turned out that this person... Uh, Thacker. His name was Thacker. Thanks, thanks. <laughs> Just wondered whether if Mr. Thacker realized he'd been uh, a daft prick <laughs> and got down on his knees and begged you to reconsider whether you would, in fact, then reconsider. Yes, I believe I would. That's very good news. Um, the readers of Horse and Hound will be absolutely delighted. <laughs> it's just, it's just so cute, and it's so, 
it's indefinitely is so earnest. It's so good. It's everything's so good. Horse and hound. When she says, yes, I believe I would. It's so good. Mm -hmm. It's perfect. Yeah. They're perfect. I believe you. They are still together because a love like that, that's that that sticks around. This isn't, this isn't like sleepless in Seattle where no, they're not. No, they're not together. No, that didn't happen. Sorry, guys. I love the movie, but this is just a great fucking movie. This is so, like every time every time I finish this movie, unlike your friends whom I have not met but uh, are wrong, <laughs> I finish it and I'm immediately like, I could watch that again. I'm in a yeah. very happy place right now. I'm very like just started over. I feel like there's so many things we didn't talk about that are great. Like so many spike things, so many lines. Oh, there um, are. You guys, obviously, if you haven't seen this movie pop it in it's i mean kind of late in the game to tell you to do that but uh it's incredible and and this is one of those films where we could spend another two hours going oh, yeah. beat by beat through like we we didn't mention martin like martin's genius in the little stuff that he's in oh, i yeah. even like the I, I even like the cut from the wedding where he's just like dancing by himself uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. you know another a shittier movie in 1999 has him like coming out or like coming out to the crowd as being gay or something like that. And yeah, it's like, some no, kind of, yeah. We don't need to make a thing out of his character other than he's a bit of a loner that works at a travel bookshop who's looking for friends and whatever, <laughs> you know, like that's and, and the deal. And thinks Julia Roberts was in Ghost. Can't tell the difference between Julia <laughs> Just, Roberts and Demi Moore. So Patrick Swayze, well, I'm sh- I don't know Patrick. Um, I'm sure he was nice. <laughs> I'm, and I, uh, and I am sure he was nice. Yeah, I can guarantee you Patrick Swayze is incredible. Yeah. Um, you can take that, my promise, to you. He was wonderful. Well, I don't wanna, really have anything else. Well, you want to do your do recommendations? Rec- yeah, yes. I would. Okay. I would like to do what, some recommendations. What, what recommendations did you have prepared before we recorded? Go have ahead Have you away. seen The Replacements? What a great movie. What a solid movie. Is this is this uh, the third movie in the Johnny Utah trilogy? Oh, don't with me on this. <laughs> I can't do this anymore. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I've had to talk yes. about this with you several times, and I had to listen to an episode where you talked about it with Jed. I can't do this again. Yes, okay. yeah, it's the third. Is it the third or the second? It's the th- it's the third. It, it goes okay. Roadhouse, then Point Break, then the replacement. Oh, see, I was thinking Point Break was the first, and then no, I don't know John the, Wick. That's, that's <laughs> where no, that's where the worlds collide. It's it's actually a Swayze collides uh-huh. with Johnny Utah. So Swayze from Roadhouse goes sure. into Point Break and is Bodie. Sure. And then Johnny Utah goes from Point Break into the replacements to play football. Can we add John Wick though? <laughs> well, after Shane Falco gets right. cut from the team, he, he then loses becomes his shit a little bit. loses his fucking mind. <laughs> uh, you know, Brooke Langton breaks up with him, uh-huh. and then he becomes a killer. Yes, yeah, so we can do John Wick. We can turn that into a anyway feel good movie. Yes. Replacements, great. Yes, fantastic, really good. Um, Killing Me Softly is the worst movie you'll ever see. Also, a uh, romantic movie in london i um, (laughs) hands down the worst and funniest film like really shot for shot the worst movie you'll ever watch in your life it's it's incredible it's it's astounding how bad it is it's Um, impossible yes treme is a great show with that guy um clark peters come on no i was (laughs) Steve Zahn. Steve Zahn. Um, <laughs> but hey, here's a real wreck. 
the best romantic comedy I've seen in a very long time was Palm Springs, and you need to watch Palm Springs. I will talk about it forever to anyone who will listen. I've made so many people watch Palm Springs, and no one has regretted it yet. No, it's Go on fantastic. Hulu. We watch talked it. about it for like an hour after I I, I this I am not a rewatcher. I don't watch movies in the background. I need complete silence to work and sleep, which is something that Cole does not understand. He always has movies in the background. Always, yeah, always. No- Notting Hill was one of my favorite movies to fall asleep to. It was fantastic. I have to have noise on at all times. Yeah, I'm not that way. I need silence at all times. So if I'm going to watch a movie, it's because I want to watch it, which is why I don't rewatch movies at the rate that you do by by a mile. Um when I finished watching Palm Springs, I immediately started watching it again. Yeah, it's that's how good, good Palm like, Springs is. Well, like I watched it and then Jesse came home and I was like, we're watching it. And the two of us watched it. And yep. she was like, that was so incredibly. I'm like, yeah, no, this was really, really good. I watched it. I knew it was going to come out that day. I watched it in the morning. Then I watched it a second time. And then when David came home from work, I had to pretend that I hadn't watched it so that he would watch it with me. I'm like, I really want to watch this movie because I wanted him to see it, but he'll wa- he won't watch anything that I've already watched before. So I was like, oh, I want to see it so bad. <laughs> I had to lie to my husband. By the way, uh, just as a not, you know, as someone who lives in California, the line everyone has to find their Irvine is just spectacular. <laughs> I also I also live about, you know, two minutes from Irvine. So mm-hmm. it was just all very just spectacular. It's a business park. Irvine is a business park, basically. Uh, so. But it's J.K. Simmons's paradise, and I love. Of course, that. it is. and there's very nice houses there. It's wonderful, but and you he find had to your find Irvine, that folks. out. Yeah, find your Irvine. Do you how? Yeah, mm-hmm. where's oh, yours? No, what was your question? No, no, I'll question? talk to you about it. Uh, a nod on a podcast. I have a oh, couple okay. questions for you about Palm Springs. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Okay. Um, so my recommendations for Julia, I'm going to tell you. I mean, obviously all the regulars, but Mystic Pizza is a genuinely good movie. And when you see that, yep. she is a movie star. She's not a movie star yet, but when every time, like she shows up and you're going, I don't know who that is. She's a movie star. And uh, it, you know, happened. Also, I mentioned also, it earlier. It's Matt it's Damon. not a good movie. Also, Matt, also Matt Damon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mentioned earlier, it's not a good film. It's a cult movie. And it's very funny. The people that are in it, Flatliners. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Did you see the it's a fun watch. I didn't know. Had I was no wondering if it was good. No, nah, I didn't see it. This is f- just, it's funny and sort of campy bad, but it's it's worth a watch. For Hugh Grant, again, all the regulars, I think Sense and Sensibility is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, About a Boy, I think, is probably his best individual performance. Really? And Yeah, I think he's really good at it. I, I, but, I mean, he's playing himself, I think, to a certain degree, which mm-hmm. I think can be very difficult. But I like that movie a lot. And Extreme Measures... Um, slightly actiony sort of movie, but it's Gene Hackman and Hugh Grant, and I I, I got to tell you, this recommendation is more about Gene Hackman than it is Hugh Grant because there was this kind of mode in the '90s where Gene Hackman just took movies, in my opinion, to dunk on the up and comers that were <laughs> becoming famous. Because Gene Hackman seems like a total asshole, but he is an incredible actor. And when you watch him in things like Extreme Measures, where I don't think Hugh Grant is a bad actor, but mm-hmm. the difference between him and uh, Gene Hackman is so incredible that like there's no closing that distance. And every time they're in a scene together, you're like, okay, what's this guy doing? Same thing in Enemy of the State, where 
Gene Hackman's just dunking on Will Smith the whole time. And Will Smith is not bad. You're just like, you forget how good Gene Hackman is. And he's he was in these Crimson Tides and these kind of action movies there in the 90s. And it is incredible. So Extreme Measures. Uh, for Reese, let's do Pirate Radio. Because I've mentioned it about 12 times on this podcast. Oh, yeah. For, for Richard Curtis, um, I just always watch Four Weddings and a Funeral. Incredible. And then for the English rom-com. This movie should be unwatchable. It should be. Um, and is it good? I don't really necessarily think it's good. Is it hilarious? And have I seen it 25 times? Yes. And that is King Ralph. <laughs> okay. So everybody get your John Goodman, get your Peter O'Toole, get your Camille Kajuri fix. Uh-huh. Uh and watch John Goodman as the American turned King of England. Also, uh John Hurt. She's mm-hmm. <laughs> cut the amount of people that were in this movie. Uh, just a phenomenal movie, guys. It's incredibly fun. It's bad, oh God, but I it's forget. funny. It's I don't know how I didn't see that coming because I know <laughs> how much you love King Ralph. I don't know how I, I was like waiting for the punchline there and I didn't I didn't see it. I wow. I can't tell you how hard I looked for that DVD. I'm sure. Yeah. Because uh, they, they didn't make a ton of them. Hard to find. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, guys, uh, thanks so much. This was our episode on Notting Hill. Aaron, thank you very much for Thank you uh, for inviting time. me. I appreciate it. Now what in the world in this garden make that ordeal worthwhile? It's amazing how you can speak right to my heart. Nice garden. Without saying a word, you can light up the dark. <laughs> Try as I may, I can never explain what I hear when you don't say a thing. You say it best. When you say nothing at all. Hey, you. Yes, listener, you. Are you loving the show? If so, please leave a rating and review in your podcast app. The 90 seconds you take to say something nice not only helps new people find the show, but it makes me super smile over at HBHQ. Also, I've had a few people ask, and the answer is yes. We are still doing the five-star bribe. If you leave us a review with five stars, then we'll do whatever book you want. We're real, real deep into the list, though, so it might be a while. Ah, Lilas! Okay, back to the show. <laughs>